Welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it's You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. Stop the rage. Ah, such easy prey. Let her go! Oh, I will. Beyond her wildest dreams, she will go into my mind, and I will go into hers. It's the greatest sensual pleasure there is. You never knew pleasure, or David, only pain. <laughs> Get me back, my <laughs> Don't be afraid. No, be afraid. Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood, as we continue our Mad Scientist Month here in 1980s horror movies. Up next, oh, yeah. if you like slimy creatures, if you like to stimulate your pineal gland and have pineal gland stimulus sex, brother, if you like to get uh, uh, seeing floating sperm around you and attack you, boy, this is a review for you, brother. Because Retro Blood's talking all about From Beyond. Jay Allison, <laughs> James Klein, what's happening, Allison? How you feeling? How's what's your up? Uh, yeah, how's your uh, pineal gland? Uh, has it been stimulated going into it, this it was, review? It's, it, it's been totally stimulated. This movie totally stimulated my pe- pineal, pineal gland. Is it a pineal like, or pineal? I can never say this fucking word. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they're saying it right in the movie either, but uh, I, I don't. I say I say it. Pineal gland. Pineal gland. Uh, I'm not good. a. I'm, I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I, I mean, know it's going to be bro, good. Enough. Listen, I failed <laughs> science class because so when I was trying to write down this science shit people were talking about, I was like, fuck, yeah, bro, that yeah, ain't gonna happen. Yeah. All right, I know yeah, a little bit about I mean, the no. science shit, but like, bro, I ain't no professor like these guys were. I ain't no Crawford, that's yeah. for sure. No, no, you're uh-huh. no Crawford. You're no Jeffrey Combs. But yeah, like I, I, I really, I really like these, uh, the, sl- the slimy slimy demons and the weird sex in this movie this may be uh the most one of the most on pc episodes we've ever done so if that bothers people that is true we'll put out a new episode next week that might be a little better but this might be a little bit um a little bit on pc and a little bit on uh, 2023 but we'll see um right well, hold but, uh, on so yeah we, we do have a surprise of what the next week's episode is going to be, so I don't know. What we we be do. That. I don't think we that's going to be PG as well. <laughs> <But> <laughs> no, no, because I've already watched that movie. I don't yeah. think we're going to be doing a lot of PG shit. That but this either. one, this one was like very interesting. I can't wait to talk about some yeah. of the history and the actual movie itself review because yeah. I never seen this movie. But it's the same cast who did Reanimator, which we did last week on the Retro Bread Brother. Check it out in the archives. Yeah, it's like the same, almost, a, almost the same cast, and then almost the same production crew. Yeah, almost the same crew as well. Brian yeah. Yuzna uh, produced this as well, and the same director, Stuart Gordon, directed this. Yeah, um, and it's another H.P. Lovecraft yep. adaptation. And actually, I thought but, this yeah. one was really, now it wasn't. It doesn't have a broad like spectrum like Reanimator does, where you can kind of take it mm-hmm. to certain places. But you can with this one too. Like I, I was actually very impressed with this uh, this movie, and I'm surprised it didn't get as much love. You know, has it as it should because I think this is a very interesting movie with a very interesting concept, and then like just the just the the I mean, bro, if you like that eighty slimy creatures, I mean, they were like hold my hold my beer thing. 
Okay, they were trying to get the slimiest creatures on here. Okay, so oh yeah, lots of slime on that one. So, but uh, but yeah, but I mean, yeah. like the uh, very very interesting tale of this story about some mad scientists trying to go beyond what we see in this world by uh, yeah. by like you know basically enhancing a part of your brain mm, to yeah. see outside of what is possible in this world to have the total what they call it pleasure and you know pleasure I mean? total pleasure which so, i'm all about total pleasure exactly speaking um, of speak total it. oh go ahead <laughs> i'll say speaking of total pleasure <laughs> yeah yeah we can get some to our history segment here on the retro bled yeah but before we do that so speaking of total pleasure so I wanted to ask you about this since this is not going to be a PG show anyway. Um, so uh, do you ever listen to Jim Ross's podcast by chance? I actually here and there. Yes, I do. Like not, okay. not all the time yeah. religiously, but I do here and there. Yeah. I haven't didn't listen to it for a long time because he mostly does watch alongs, which I don't like, but yeah, he's recently been doing ones about superstars. And I recently superstars look at me. I'm like, well, I work for the WWE. I know wrestlers superstars brother <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, he recently did one about kevin nash and he, he tells a story that i wanted to run by you to make sure that i'm understanding this correctly because um from your history i think that you would probably know this okay. uh, better than i would um uh so he talks about first meeting kevin nash when kevin nash worked at cheetahs in atlanta which is a strip club yeah so he because kevin was like a body body not a bodyguard a uh, bouncer there so he he's, so he's made this statement, and I wanted to ask you about this because I want to make sure I understand if he's saying what I think he's saying. So Jim Ross says that knowing Ke before he was a wrestler, knowing Kevin Nash at the Cheetah was good. It was always good to have somebody that to know somebody that worked there because he could always tell you which girls were team players. Oh, now. Man. Is he saying is is he saying what I think he's saying? Is he saying that is he talking about fucking strippers? Uh, that's what it sounds like. Is that what that means? Like, I mean, not that like that should shock me or anything, but like, I mean, this is Jim Ross. That's like hearing my dad say that. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, well, he was a like, young man. <laughs> he was a young man back in the day. That's true. Maybe he. That's he, true. So he, looking, <laughs> he does always say, "Well, guys, you got to remember, I'm a red blooded American." Uh, yeah, for sure. I like my football stake in women, brother. Yeah, <laughs> and he and he certainly does. But it was like weird to see him uh, see him smoking on that episode of uh, Territories, which I don't know why that would be weird. But like you yeah. know, he's smoking on that episode with Jake the Snake, and then like now I'm hearing him talking about stories about having sex with strippers. So I'm like, well, you know, Jim Ross. Well, you know, surprise, Jim Ross. Remember when he was doing? Uh, they would see some uh, photos of some of the uh, wrestling girls, and he would comment all the time on them. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. He that's is a true. horny old man. So, so what are you supposed to say? <laughs> yeah, back and and back then he was much younger, so he was a young man. So yeah, so I don't know. I just want to run that by. It's, it's probably just lingo to saying like he can. They, you know, Kevin Ash can tell you which ones are like the cool ones, where the ones will like yeah. let you touch or something. I don't yeah. think that's why. He's <laughs> but anyway, anyway, what do we got for history today? Well, speaking of uh, people who've been to many, many strip clubs. We do have a, <laughs> a an episode of WCW Crockett to talk about, plus uh, a metal album, and the the history segment, which we do every 
episode here on the Retro Blood, everybody, to give us yep. kind of like we try to like make like a weekend for everybody or make like a weekday, you know, whatever. Um, whatever. Not, not, we're not only going to go see this movie in theaters or whatever back alley this thing was shown in. We're not, we're not going to be going there. Uh, uh, empty handed. We're going to be going there, pumped about wrestling, and then listening to some metal as well in the Trans Am, brother. So, the, the release date we're talking about for From Beyond yeah. is October 24th, 1986. And I always like this yes. 1986 era. A lot of cool shit is going down. We're, we're starting to go into some more of the more commercialized 80s at this point. But we're still like keeping it like old school over here with some some of our, our angles in pro wrestling, some of our metal, and then some of our movies are getting a little goofy. But they are mm-hmm. they are still having some uh, interesting plot coming to them. But the first thing we're going to be talking about is a episode that we watched on the Peacock. We said, everybody, we're going to be doing this from now on. We're going to be trying to find, um, you know, wrestling shows that we can actually watch and break down mm-hmm. so we can have a better understanding of what is happening in the world of pro wrestling around the movie that we picked out for this particular week. So, yes, what I'll, we'll probably start doing, too, is... I might start like like doing like a little you know, little Facebook ad or something like that or, or you know little little uh, you know something like it'll tell everybody what we're gonna be reviewing for the day. And not only will I put the movie, but I'll put the show as well too, so y'all can follow along with us. Instead of having to pause the shit and go watch it. So what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be doing on the Peacock brother. If you guys go to WCW, not Saturday night. We're gonna go to the eighties WCW. This is the Crockett Television Show. You're going to yeah. scroll down to October 25th, 1986, brother. And we're going to watch this particular episode. And boy, what an episode this was. I mean, how lucky yes. did we get for this episode? I thought this episode was fantastic. Like, like I want to watch your Skywalker's Starcade right now. Like, this episode, yeah. like, yeah. this this is like one of the... It wasn't even a go-home show. Like, this was like in the middle of like preparing us for Starcade. But I was about to say, yeah, it was like a month later. It's like a month later Starcade Starcade, happened because this episode aired on October 25th. Starcade didn't happen until November 27th. And I was like, I want to see this shit right now. I'm like, damn. Yeah. I I mean, I'm buying that show. Like, you know, well, yeah, whatever, whatever they had then. But yeah, like if it was on pay-per-view, I was buying that. Like, Um, or if I was in, uh, wasn't it in Chicago? Wasn't it where the Skywalker? No, 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 no. So this one, this Skywalker Starcade was in two locations. They did half the show in Greensboro, North Carolina. Or, oh, yes. And the other in the Omni. And the other one in the Omni. Yeah. So they split okay. it back, back back and forth on closed circuit. Kind of like how they did WrestleMania 2, except for doing mm-hmm. three. They did two. There's only did two arenas. So the main yeah. event <clears throat> for the Greensboro was the cage match. I think it was between the um, Rock and Roll Express and uh, 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 the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. And then the main event on mm-hmm. the Omni was Ric Flair versus Nikita Koloff for the belt. The two champions yes. going at it. And of course, yes. I, I think the Skywalker's match happened in Greensboro. If I... if Yeah, I think... I don't know. Did it happen in Atlanta? I can't remember if the Skywalker's match happened in... I think it happened in Atlanta, actually. So. I was thinking Atlanta, but I'm actually not sure. Well, I'm actually not sure. We'll talk about... So that, that, that show, the Starcade... 86 uh the skywalkers we'll, we'll do that long term one time and like i don't want to get too much into that show just because i do want to break that whole show down one time on the show or may- maybe do it a special because it is a very good starcade you know there's really good matches and a lot of fallout 
um, happen after the show too that's very, very interesting. But we'll focus today on this particular episode of Crockett. Like we'll have our, what do you, what do you be eating during this time? Like a, you're going to have one of those Oscar Minor wieners watching yeah, the sure. fucking Crockett? <laughs> well, probably not after watching this movie, but, but yeah. Yeah, it's I not mean, the movie. Sure, we, yeah. <laughs> so we start off a little bit of the Crockett. Uh, we see a little a little clip of one of the most famous angles that Crockett yes. did, which Allison, we, we will talk about that in long form once we see the whole video of your memories with it too and the special that you have. Mm-hmm. But it's just a really clip uh, video of, it's like on a, you can tell it's like on a hand, uh, like a hand cord, what do you call those? Video quarters? Hand cams? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Of, of them following exactly. around dusty roads and, and uh, driving into Crockett's headquarters. So, so, but then we start off the show. So we start off the show with, I couldn't believe it. We started off with a fucking Brad Armstrong promo. Yeah. Brad Armstrong. I did not know he was in Crockett at this time, but when, when yes. he first stepped out, the first thing I thought was he looks like Kenny Omega. <laughs> oh shit. He does. Did he? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn. Now, now, that, now that you mentioned it, yes, they could be very, uh, very related. Yeah. And so I mean, even aspects. on his face, his facial features yeah. look like Kenny Omega's facial features. Yeah, and his hair is definitely like yeah. uh, yeah. styled Kenny's had before. Yep. So basically, he was basically just saying like him and his partner, Tim, Tim Horton, White <laughs> Lightning, yes. White Lightning, brother, <laughs> White Lightning, Tim. And I was like, White Lightning, where did I have heard that before? I was like, wait a minute. That was like the drink that Brock Lesnar had that he fed to uh, MVP, White Lightning. I was like, oh, maybe is he got really? that. Yeah. Okay. On the uh, build to WrestleMania this year, uh, one of the things was like you know, Brock Lesnar wanted to have a little drink with MVP. Oh, so it was yeah. like, hey, drink this. He's like, I don't want to drink this. What's it called? He's like, it's called White Lightning. And I was just thinking back in my oh, head. Oh, yeah. Did Tim, did Tim Horton make this? What the fuck? So, yeah, I'm sure that came from the same place. So what he's talking mm-hmm. about, I didn't watch that episode of WWE, but what he's talking about. So White Lightning is like a uh, kind of like a slang term for moonshine. Yeah, so I guess so Tim that's where I, I am absolutely sure that's where Tim Horton got that. But but yeah, that's what he's talking about yeah. for sure. So the biggest thing Brad's talk about is basically he's saying this is going to be his first Starcade, and he's he's always watched all the Starcades before, and he's super excited about being on this. You know, he's he's always watching as a fan, but he's really excited about being on the show. You know, and making his own footmark here with Tim Horton. Uh, like mm. he's just very excited to be on Starcade, and he'll be on there one way or another. So, yeah. So then, nice little promo, you know. Not, I. Brad is not bad, but he just could have been. He could have been a little bit better if he would have showed like a like an inch more personality. I think this guy could have been a little bit bigger, bigger star. Yeah, I mean, he's just the he's just the regular guy, right? Yeah. He's like, I mean, he's like, uh, he could be the guy that fixes your car. Or he could be a professional wrestler. It's yeah. hard to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like all the Armstrongs. I mean, Bullet Bob was a great wrestler in his day. Uh, the Road Dog, of course, was good. Uh, do you think the Road Dog is the best Armstrong? Um, he's definitely the most charismatic. And then for '90s yeah. kids like myself, he's like the most recognized one. But yeah, I mean, to be sure. honest with you, if you watch older stuff, like Bullet is definitely a well-rounded wrestler. Mm, yeah, yeah, especially that stuff that absolutely. he did with um, with uh, Terry Funk and stuff like that. Like when he was in that promotion, that he he did stuff stuff he did with P- Piper, stuff he did with Funk. It was it was actually pretty good stuff that I remember seeing. Yeah, but you know, I, I thought this pro- yeah, I, Brad. Like I said, Brad was always a great wrestler. He just didn't 
have the personality that his brothers did yeah. and stuff like that. But he was always a very well solid wrestler. So, yeah, I just thought this promo was funny because he's basically comes out and he says, "Yeah, I want to be. I'm going to be on Starcade, but I might be with my tag team partner. Or I might not be. I don't know what I'm doing, but yeah. I'm going to try and be there. Yeah, hopefully, I'm booked. Like, okay, like what are we promoting here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then they, they have a little quick squash match. It's a Brad and, and White Lightning versus Bill White, Tad yes. and Brody Chase. Yep. So they win. And that's about all to say about yes. that. <laughs> it, was, it was about that quick, basically. So then we have a next up. We have a promo from Jimmy, Val <clears throat> Jimmy Valiant, which I was like, yes. fuck, man. Like we did a Crockett. No, we did a Mid-Atlantic show last month when we did Reanimate mm -hmm. Last month. Last yep. week when we did fucking Reanimator. And we had a fucking Jimmy Valiant promo there, and now we're having another one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so his his promo is there's a match that he's doing at Starcade where if he wins, Paul Jones has to shave his head bald. But yes. if Paul Jones team wins, then Jimmy Valiant's big mama has to shave her head bald. Yeah, I thought this was <clears throat> a little strange because because Jimmy doesn't lose his hair no matter who wins or loses. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's always it's always someone else that has to 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 forfeit. Or yeah, it's big mama. Fine, sure. It's well, right. But yeah, I mean, I understand where they're trying to go. It just seems a little real, real weird. But yeah. So next up, we have a quick little squash. Jimmy Garvin, and I was like, you know, I was like Jimmy Garvin. This guy, like, he kind of reminds me of like, like a Seth Rollins a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, he's not necessarily at the the tippy top of the promotion but if you get this guy in a main event he can deliver which he does later on in 90, 90, uh, 87 when he actually yeah. fights Ric Flair for the belt at one of the great American mm -hmm. bashes like I said this guy Jimmy Garvin like you know he had the he had the flash he had the good wrestling skills he had a great promo he had a good valet like this guy was uh he was pretty top notch here in the 80s I was I always enjoyed his work yeah yeah I always liked Jimmy Garvin and he always came out to uh Sharp dressed man by the ZZ Top. Yes, of course we didn't hear that on this one. Of course not. We didn't, we didn't get the rights to that. So yeah, <laughs> we didn't exactly. hear that on this show. But <laughs> we heard canned music for him this time. Yeah, yeah he always come up to, Z, to ZZ Top and like he always did his little dance to it. It was awesome. Like he's he was great. I love Jimmy Garvin. And he was facing John Savage on this episode. We basically knocked him down, did a brain buster, and that was it. Yeah, one thing I didn't notice about this was um, when they showed the. I'm so, I'm really surprised we saw this in 1986 because when they showed the slow motion replay of the brainbuster, yeah, like you could, sh it, they showed exactly how the brainbuster is done so that the opponent doesn't get hurt. Yeah, exactly. I know. I saw that. Like too. you can, like they showed it in slow motion, you can clearly see Jimmy come down on his butt and then just kind of set John Savage over. Like you know, when you slow it down like that, I don't know. It's just. For, for 1986, as protective as they were of the business, I think it's weird that they would show that. But yeah, from that angle. They're like, fuck it. <laughs> so the next segment, um, so what happened during this period is basically, and I think we talked about a little bit about this before, is one of our favorite 80s wrestlers, Magnum TA, yeah. got into a motorcycle accident, I believe. It was a car accident. Car accident. Yeah, and pretty much, almost like you know, pretty much ended his career. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he nearly so, died. Yeah, he nearly died from it, and everything it was a horrible accident he was in. And uh, he was in the Charlotte Hospital at this particular time, and 
basically uh, Jim Cornette came out there, you know, was wishing, you know, Magnum, his family and everything, well wishes and getting better soon. Apparently during this time, like they got noticed that he's doing a lot better. Um, and then they're basically telling everybody like, hey, you know, don't really call up the hospital, but if you guys want to send your letters and stuff to the, they gave us the post office to send our letters to, to them. Yeah, because they were probably having, well, supposedly I'd heard like during this time that they were having so many people call the hospital that the phone was just never stop, would never stop ringing. Yeah. But that's why they, the hospital told them to try and keep people from calling and they set up a PO box so they could send letters to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this was like two weeks, I think, after it happened. It's crazy. Um, I think he'd, I think he'd been in the hospital two weeks at that point. Yeah. Um, cause you could tell they had had a chance to pivot and we'll see that in a little bit in this show, but. Yeah, some things they had to pivot to change to t- change some storylines. Yeah, it's just it just I mean, man, like I think they're going to do. A, could, I think they're, I think happened. I think they're going to do like a dark side of the ring about you know story. I mean, obviously later on, you know, Magnum he became you know we just did the commentary and stuff. He was still in wrestling, mostly doing commentary and stuff. I think he owned his own business later on. Yeah. And if you see him nowadays, like you couldn't even recognize him. Like I saw him. Did you see that Dusty Road special? on the biography channel uh no i haven't seen it i forgot that aired i need to watch that but yeah i met him in 2019 at the crockett cup um and he was i mean i recognized him like when i saw him like oh that's magnum ta yeah but yeah i mean he looks completely different but i mean you know you would expect him to you know 40 years later yeah that makes sense um but 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 yeah i mean like he could have been like he was one of my favorites during the day and i think that he could have been he would have been Card. Oh yeah, he would have been. Uh, he he. I I think he would have been in the spot that Nikita Koloff was in the Starcade, for sure. Yes. Yeah, because that was definitely how that was intended. Yeah. And so. we'll talk about that when we get to the end of this episode because that that's coming up. But um, but yeah, I mean, like, what an amazing wrestler. And um, I find it weird that they're gonna do a Dark Side of the Ring about him because this will this will unless there's something I don't know about him, this will be a little bit different than most of them because most of them are just like real yeah dark stories about shit that people did yeah but i mean really magnum just had that accident and it ended his career but i don't know that anything really really bad happened to him now like, you like know, he, yeah he didn't do anything shady or nothing like that i think yeah. they're just they just want to do it maybe probably a profile accident, the, probably just yeah just very just harping on that like a, what a career could it could have been that's the only thing i could sure. think of so but we'll see. But up next is down. probably my one of my favorite parts of the show. We go to the Star K Control Center. Yes. And the Tech Control Center. Apparently there was a angle of how the old Midnight Express and the Road Warriors started their feud was when we had that uh I think it was uh, um Stan uh it was was it beautiful Bobby or Stan Lane that dropped it in the knee? I think it was Stan Lane that dropped the knee. I think so, yeah, yeah. He dropped a knee on the back of an uh, uh, animal's back. All right? And it's supposed to injure an animal and take him out of wrestling forever, brother. But it didn't. And they're like, oh, don't worry about it, guys. The Road Warriors, you know, they're fine. Let's go to them training. And, <laughs> bro, you've <laughs> never crazy. seen two more jacked up dudes in your life. Holy shit. Like yeah. fucking monsters in that gym. This motherfucker doing fucking deadlifts and shit. You fucking rose yeah, I mean- in here. I mean... Humongous. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean those like, like how much weight was on that bar? Like, like that animal was lifting. Like when he was deadlifting. Oh that? my god, those, that was about like those big plates, seventy-five yes. pounds. 
Yes, and he yeah. he wasn't even and going he all the way down. He was bending over, yeah, bro. Right. Oh my yeah. god, that would yeah. destroy my back. Like I do that exercise <laughs> at the gym, like that one he's doing, but I cannot do yeah. that much weight. I would be fucking no. dead. This guy was he was doing like fucking what five set, like fine, no problem. Yeah, I was like shit. Yeah, it's like a not even a big deal. He's doing that row machine. I was like fuck. <laughs> and it, I don't know what it was, but Hawk he looked like a fucking eighties villain. Okay, this guy was so jacked. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. He looked like one of those Ninja Turtle villains or something in this. That's <laughs> how jacked he was. And they're all like, just like pissed off and stuff, talking. They have something special to tell the Midnight Express about the match that they're doing. So then we cut to them outside of a construction yard. This is great. And this is like, this is one of the best like angles to, to, to promote a match. Okay. The audio quality sucked. But, you know, I mean, we're just yeah. filming this on the fucking ham camera. Fuck the video yeah. quality. There's, like, trucks and shit in the background. They're, like, screaming <laughs> into these little mics and stuff that they have. <laughs> Paul Jones is all talking about, like, you know, this is one of the most deadliest matches you guys are going to be in stuff. And then Hawk's going on about, like, all these construction workers. They they put their lives on the line all the time. And we're going to do the same thing in this wrestling match. And we're going to show you. So they, like, jump up to the scaffold where there's, like, 80s music yeah. playing in the background. Well, yes, they don't exactly jump up there. So well, I they thought climb that was kind of funny. But they do climb. But when you watch it, though, like Hawk, I mean, Animal climbs up first, and then he gets about I don't know ten feet up, and then you can just tell he's like, "This is not a good idea." Yeah, like he, you can just tell, like he's like, "Okay, I don't really want to go any higher than this." Yeah. Um, but then they do. Then it then it cuts to them at the top of it. So they do finally get up there, and then they uh, when they play their '80s music, while well, they tell us what's going to happen from yeah. a distance. So they're basically saying they're, they're setting up for the Skywalker's match, which is a scaffold match. And they're basically, they basically get these pumpkins. And it's like, hey, these are going to be your guys' head. And this is what's going to happen. So they throw the pumpkins with each person's name on it. Uh, we have Stan Lane. And then we have Bobby Eaton's head, you know, names on these pumpkins. They throw the pumpkins. They fucking slow motion the shit. Slow motion. Yeah. We and never see them hit, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You never see. Yeah. They're, they're saving the hit for later. So we're showing them yep, throw the pumpkins, and they're basically saying that they are going to be doing a, a scaffold match at the pay-per-view. And then we cut mm. back to Jim Crockett. He's like, oh, man, we're going to be doing one of them scaffold matches. You can just call that match Betty Blue. And I was like, Whoa. no, he, no. So he's talking about, uh, you know, that's, he's talking about the cage match, the, the match where, uh, uh, if that's a different match. Oh, okay. I was I thought that was weird too. Cause he's talking about like one of the people are gonna be in a cage. And he's like, some people call like one of the managers is gonna be inside locked inside a cage. He's like, and some people call that cage Betty Lou. Okay. And I'm I like, why do they call the cage Betty Lou? Like must be like an eighties thing we didn't know. I guess so. I guess so. It's like an eighties wrestling thing. But yeah, so we're back in the control center because we're selling we're selling Starcade hard at this oh, point. Very hard. The only the only matches we have right now are the the uh Skywalker's match, right? It's something we're building up. Yeah, and then the second, well, well we, we have, will have more. We have we have about almost three matches right now. So we had the Jimmy mm. Valiant match, you know, what I mean? oh, yes, with, yes. with the hair. Then we have Bob on Brad Armstrong said he's going to be in Starcade. We had the scaffold Doing match something. confirmed, and now Jim Crockett is saying, like, listen, we had this deadly feud of Tolly Blanchard and Dusty Rhodes. We're not sanctioning this match at all. Crockett is because they want to do a first blood match. So what I'm going to do is next week I'm going to present Dusty with the contract, and he if he signs it, we'll have the match. If he doesn't, then we won't have the match. 
Yeah, otherwise, but it's non-sanctioned though because they cannot sanction a first yeah, blood match. Like exactly. That. Well, I bet that match is awesome. Although they have before, so I don't yes. know why it's a big deal this time. But um, but well, you know they had yeah. one in nineteen eighty three. But whatever. Well, you know, it just so happened there might be blood. Who knows? Different yeah, era. Yeah. So then we go back to uh, our commentaries on this one, which is David Crockett and Tony Schiavone. Mm-hmm. Probably two of my favorite commentaries of all commentaries of all time. And they're just talking about thirty feet in the air, brother. They're gonna, you're gonna fly off that thing, that scaffold. And they're talking about it. So you never seen David Crockett so happy about talking about this Skywalker's match. Oh, he was excited. So now we want to talk a little bit about the uh, the Dusty and the Tully situation. All right. Mm. So apparently there was this match that was supposed to happen. So they're basically saying like, listen, Dusty has been part of every Starcade since it's been, you know, since it's been in its history. Right. And the big thing was the the basically the four horsemen, Tully, Minnesota Wrecking Crew, and Ric Flair. They want to keep Dusty out of this Starcade, so they came up with this match that was supposed to happen last week. That if Dusty lost that match, he would not be able to compete at Starcade. So this is how we got to the angle that we're about to talk about is that mm-hmm. the the Minnesota Wrecking Crew and Tully they wanted to make Dusty come into the match that he was about to happen at a disadvantage. So then we cut to the scene that they showed us, which is the one of the most famous like angles, I guess, in Crockett yeah. history, which is basically it's it's Ole and Arn and a random camera guy, and I think Tully's in there. And I best I guess Tully at this time was going through like a little bit of an injury. Cause it looked like he was like his foot was like in a cast. Yeah, yeah, his like legs all fucked up. Yeah. yeah. So they're basically following Dusty down Charlotte's uh, a so, place. Yeah, they're going down South Boulevard. Yeah, South Boulevard. All right, and they're basically Dusty's coming to the uh, the Jim Crockett Promotional Headquarters to do some business, brother. Because remember, he's the Booker, but we don't right. say that we don't say he is. He just go in there to go there, and they basically follow him like a hit job. <laughs> it's like they're talking right. on the camera, like all right, we're gonna follow. And you can hear one guy was like. I don't know if this is gonna. I don't know if this is gonna be all smooth. He's like, "Don't worry about it. It's gonna be smooth." <laughs> and, well, yeah, but one thing is I like about this is they they explain something they would not do in wrestling now is they explain why the cameraman is there. Yeah, because they keep saying we paid you. Because yeah. like, just keep filming. We paid you. Because otherwise they'd be like, why wouldn't the cameraman just call the police? Yeah, <laughs> if he were gonna, you know, if they were gonna ambush this guy and like beat him up with baseball bats. But, you know, they're like, but he's like, just keep filming because we, we paid you. Just We paid you to be here. Just keep filming. Yeah. So it makes sense. Whereas now, if, if you saw that on WWE now, there would be no explanation as to why someone would film all this instead of calling the cops. Exactly. And they fucking get out of that shit. You can see, like, you know, it's just all, like, guerrilla style. You know what I mean? I loved it. And they fucking yeah, grabbed Dusty, great. fucking tied his ass up. Dusty's cursing the storm. Beep, beep, you know, hearing all these beeps and she's like saying motherfucker and all this shit. I was like, this is awesome. They fucking tie his hand up and stuff. They grab a bat. Dusty's like, you, he's like choking everything. He's like, you could tell like he's like over, you know, overselling the, the choking. I, like, I loved it. Oh, yeah. And he was all he like, like spitting up all over yeah, JJ Dillon's suit. <laughs> yeah, spitting up all of his suit and everything. Fucking cursing the storm. And he's mm-hmm. all, then he sees the bat. He's like, you better make it look good. No, 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 no. He's better like, you better make it good. Better make it good. Make and it they just fucking, they like, they like cut a little bit. They look like his bat, like just totally brushed up his hand. They put a little black X, a little back dot right there to see if we couldn't see the carnage. Great. I was like, bro, this is a great angle. Like, I don't, like, 
they could do stuff kind of like this nowadays, but obviously it'd just be a little, you know, it'd be a little hard, but they, you know, they, they, they almost try to reenact this scene all the time because we do have a lot of parking lot brawls in NXT. Mm -hmm. And like, this is like one of the first, like, they just attacked this guy in broad daylight in front of their headquarters or like, if this, if you think about this in a corporate environment or something like that, or even in a business, like how did these guys not get fired? Okay. <laughs> well, exactly. And I was gonna say, yeah, they do. They do that all the time in NXT. They like ambush people in the parking lot. That NXT parking lot is like yeah. the most dangerous fucking place on the planet. Yeah, exactly. Like you do not want to walk through the NXT parking lot because you are gonna get ambushed by somebody. But um, but the uh, but yeah, like I thought this was great. Like I thought this whole segment was good. It's like the exact opposite of the uh, scaffold segment we just saw as far <laughs> as production. Because it was so cool. Because they covered up his hand with the black dot. They censored his hand. And that kept them from having to use any kind of special effects. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, they can just cover that up. And then he's like, oh, he just imagined what this looks like. Yeah. Which I think is amazing. So, this, this kind of leads. So, we get back to the uh, Tony Schiavone and David Crockett. And they're basically saying, like, okay, guys, this is... Uh, we're going to show you what I, what happened. So, basically, they said that Dusty's going into this match with a, with a handicap. Because, like, after they beat him up, they're like, we'll see you, we'll see you in uh, Charlotte, you know. You're crippled. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah, which, which happened the night this aired, actually, yes. in the in the Charlotte Coliseum. So they're going to see him at the match and stuff. And basically, what it was was a cage match. It was Dusty and a partner of his choosing versus Ole Anderson and J.J. Dillon. So you know, obviously, they didn't think that Dusty had any friends or anything like that, and he was going to come in this match on like a two on one handicap, so they could beat him up and not have him at Starcade. But then. Dusty walks out, and right behind him, we see Nikita Koloff, who is one of Dusty's biggest rival for like yeah. our, our years and years and years over the U.S. belt. Was finally right yeah. behind Dusty Rose, and they they walk up, bro. You never seen a crowd so p- pumped up in your life. Fucking Dusty gets in the cage. They start beating on him a little bit, a little bit. Ole and J.J. Dillon do. And then the kid is like looking around. The crowd doesn't know what to think because you know at this time it's like a baby. It's like a baby face turn. They're like, "What? Like this guy is coming to help and stuff." And they're all, then they he stays. He's like he's like at the cage. He like thinks about it and he walks in. He starts beating on him. And bro, this crowd exploded. Exploded. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about that too. So that show that they're showing there is not well. Obviously, it's not the Charlotte show because it wouldn't happen until that night. But that is in Philadelphia. So the footage they show is in is, it was filmed in Philadelphia. So I wonder if that's like the one of the first times that they ever saw Nikita as a face. I think it was. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, surely it was, right? And and that's a pretty big deal because this is 1986. So this is like still right in the middle of the, of you know like Russians and Americans hating each other and like. You know, uh, uh, like, like I remember this specifically, like, you know, us being told that any any moment now that Russians could drop a nuclear bomb on us and kill us all. And this was a pretty and that's why the Russians were bad guys to start with, because everybody hated the Russians. And, and, you know, so in America, so they made they made the perfect wrestling bad guys. But um, but yeah, this is a pretty big deal. And this is pretty forward thinking for Dusty, I think, to turn Nikita uh, like that. Yeah. <clears throat> and they yeah. make a good reason for it too. Yeah, because you know Nikita during this time, you know he 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 was still like 
he's basically becoming a babyface because he was in a feud with his other Russian cohorts, um, yeah. Nikolai Volkov and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, it, it just it basically the re- the biggest reason they probably did this turn and made it so quickly like that is because of uh, what happened to Magnum TA getting into That's the accident. That's exactly why. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure that spot was the spot Magnum was supposed to be in. Yes. So, I mean, but this crowd was loving it, man. They were loving every bit of it. You know, Dusty Rhodes picks up. They they basically, um, Nikita gets Ole out of the cage, knocks him out of the cage, doesn't let him back in. They grab um, J.J. Dillon up like in a, like a bear hug, and then Dusty drops the elbow mm-hmm. on him, pins him, and that means Dusty is going to Starcade, and he's going to be facing Tully Branchard at Starcade. And then we have yeah. all the four horsemen come out there in the cage. They look shocked. Ric Flair's out there. He looks shocked. He's like saying like, hey, man, he's like, you want to be on that side? You tried to come for this belt before, and let's see what you got again. So that's how we're setting up the match between Nicola, uh, Nikolai and, and Ric Flair, too, all in this segment. And this crowd, bro, this crowd was on fire. It was Yeah, great. it was loud. Yeah, it was great. Like, it would be great <clears throat> to be in a crowd that, that hyped now. Yeah. Like, Oh, yeah. Now people are just bored with everything, but then back uh, then, no, like, there, there, there's some there's some hype crowds out there. Sometimes, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've been in some wrestling crowds that were like, oh, okay, this is like some this is some good shit. But you know, like I I would say, you know, there there's still some hype hype out there for certain stuff that happens. You know? Yeah, yeah. You just got to create the excitement for it, like they did here. Yes. So then, so then we go to an interview now with yeah. uh, Dusty. Now he's explaining his. Well, it's weird because first he says, I'm not going to explain my actions, but then he kind of explains his actions. I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is so good. I, lo- I love this whole thing. Yeah. I love this whole, whole So thing. he's basically, <clears throat> Dusty's basically explaining, you know, that, you know, he does, he, he basically thanks Magnum TA for being a great friend and how close they were and then how they always both live on uh, the edge of a lightning because they're so fast paced with life. Yeah. And then he's like, then he's all talking about like the freedom of America. He's like, yeah, I, I know, like you know, me and uh, so basically what happened was Dusty said he got a call from Nikita, and they talked for hours, and then they met up, then they talked yeah. for more hours, more right? hours, yeah. <laughs> and then he's all like, he's like, yeah, I know he, uh, he doesn't have the same belief system that I do, but this is America, brother. You know, we, we can believe whatever we can believe in. We can all come together and work together. You know, you could just call us the superpowers. I was like, okay, here we yeah. go. The superpowers, brother. Yeah, this is good. They have a common bond, and uh, and then you know, then Nikita says, we cut to them. Is like, listen, like I, I have been one of the most superior athletes. I go to Japan. I beat everybody, and uh, you know what Dusty was saying about Magnum TA. He was one of my biggest, you know, opponents that I had over here yeah. in, in Crockett, and I fought him all over the world, and I gained this thing called respect for him. So since I have respect for him too, I began had respect for Dusty, and that's basically why we're all teaming up. And you know, he's just saying like I'm not going to be controlled by these other two, which he's talking about the other two Russians. I'm not going to be controlled yeah. by them anymore. I'm going to do my own man. I'm going to be my own superior athlete. Yeah, and what a different time this was in many in so many ways. Like comparing 1986 to now. Yeah. Like there's so there's it's so it's so different. Like one. He talks about how he didn't find out about Magnum TA getting injured until he came back from Japan. Like, if if that happened today, you would know like ten seconds after it happened. Yeah. I mean, what? So when Jay Briscoe died, that happened at five thirty, and you called me at seven o'clock and told me it happened. Yeah, it's great. So an hour and a half later, we knew, you know, <laughs> and so like now it would happen like immediately. 
Yeah. And then the whole thing about Dusty saying, um, this is America and we can all believe what we want to believe. Like Americans don't believe that now. Now you have to, now you can believe whatever you want to believe as long as you believe the same things that I believe. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just a different time. It's just a different time. Like back then, like it was like the, you know, you know, everything Dusty was saying about how Americans are free to believe what they want. And now it's so completely different. Yeah. Or currently it is anyway. Yeah. The, uh, the political landscape is definitely changed over the years for better and for worse on certain things. Yeah. But yeah. So one thing I also thought was funny about this was like when he switches it in a minute, he'll switch it over to Nikita to talk. And he's like, Nikki, tell him about it or whatever he says. Like, I just think it's funny that he calls Nikita Nikki. And it, it it really is very interesting of how they kept the Russian gimmick for Nikita Koloff. Because wasn't he from, like, what, Minnesota? Uh, originally, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Nikita Koloff is from Minnesota. Yeah. Like, does he even have Russian in his body at all, like in his heritage? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. He was really good at it, though. I mean, yeah, he, he, was really um, good at he it, would though. say Russian words occasionally. Like, I think, like he said, thank you to Dusty in Russian. So he, he knew a few words. Yeah. Um, he was also at that Crockett Cup in 2019. And it was kind of funny because he was in the ring with, because uh, he's like a minister now. So that's like yeah. what he wants to talk about. And it was kind of funny because he was in the ring with somebody. I want to say it was Tony Schiavone, but it might have been somebody else. But um, he was in the ring with somebody doing an interview, Nikita was. And he came out with his Nikita gimmick where he's talking like in his Russian accent or whatever. Um, also now that I know a lot more Russians, no Russians don't really talk like that, but anyway, that's, that's kind of <laughs> different. That's not really a Russian accent, but anyway, but he's like, he's talking and he's doing the whole Nikita gimmick. And then all of a sudden he just starts talking like he's from Minnesota. Like when he starts talking about Jesus and such, he's talking to, he's just talking about like, like, you know, like it, like a normal, like his normal voice. And the, the guy that's interviewing him is like, um, he brings it up. He's like, what, he's like, what happened to your Russian accent? <laughs> <laughs> like because he switches it like mid promo but um but yeah but yeah i guess when he talks when he does the ministry thing he doesn't do the uh the 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 key to gimmick which makes sense i suppose but yeah that was pretty yeah. funny but yeah so we got nikita <clears throat> telling us why uh why he's coming back to help dusty Rhodes after, after all of this time yeah so then we cut to a quick match Oli Ollie, Ollie and arn anderson versus randy barber and clement fields they just squash these motherfuckers mm-hmm. tap them out with the arm bar they're pissed yeah. off. They're just saying how pissed off they are because of Nikita Koloff sticking right. his nose in the horseman business, brother. Yep, that was almost over before they they uh, before the title thing about the match got off. I know that, like, like, that shit was, was quick. Was like wow, bro, they they go quick to these matches. <laughs> All right. Well, how how angry would wrestling fans be nowadays on these shows? I was thinking the same thing. They're all like, if th- you went, this show was all promos. There's no <laughs> fast match or nothing on the show at all. It's all promos. Okay, and don't tell I me mean, it's not. That's what it is. It, no, all. it is. But surely they gave them something else, right? Surely they gave the studio audience something. Well, else. I think the like studio audience they, and it was just all squash matches. You're like, what? The no, I think this? I think when when you actually went to the studio, they would film a ton of squash matches and they would like play it over yeah. episodes. And then you would get at least yeah. one or two star matches. You know what I mean? Right. They weren't televised. Yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like how they film, like how they used to film, like Ring of Honor, stuff like that. You know how Ring of Honor used to have, like, you know, we have stars yeah. racing kind of stars, but then you would get your your couple of good matches here and there for the TV. It was it, yeah, it's very exactly. similar how they film that, probably. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was done exactly the same way, but the Ring of Honor didn't do like all the squashes though. They did. They not some, some, yes. but not 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 a lot, not not like that. You Their get squashes were longer. Of minutes of a match. Yes. Yeah, right. They weren't right. like two minutes or nothing like this. <laughs> so the next thing we get is Jim Jim uh, Jim Cornette doing a crazy promo with Big Bubba in the background, talking about how he is infuriated and like, what the hell? You guys are putting me in this scaffold match. You know, I actually, I actually care about my family. And I'm like, you Paul Orndorff and your two goose, you don't give a shit about them. I'm like, this guy. And he's all like, he's like, how dare you make barbaric thing get me in the scaffold. Oh, he's like, I like how he's all like, I like how he's all like, he's like, yeah, I'm freaked out about it. You know, my guys are cool with it, but I'm freaked out about this match. <laughs> <laughs> it's, he's so good. Like, I it mean, really like good. a lot of people complain about some of the shit that Cornette says. And I'm, he's, uh-huh. it's no different in this promo, but he's one of the best of all time. Oh man! But like he talks about, he talks about how like yeah. he talks about the Road Warriors, and he's yeah. like, he's like, he's like, have you guys spent time in the in the Puzzle Factory? What he's talking about, like a mental asylum? Like, what did that? What does that mean? Like, that must be some old shit that nobody says anymore. But like, yeah. like he's on the mental asylum, a Puzzle Factory. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he was great. I would love to have him as my manager or something. That'd be awesome. Yeah, he's, he's so good. <clears throat> so next, up next, we have the one of my favorite tag teams that wasn't a tag team for a long time, but I love these guys. The <laughs> Raging Bull and Ravishing Rick Rude, the Awesome yeah. Twosome. Yes, the Awesome Twosome. Managed by Paul Jones, brother. They fucking fought hey. uh, Kent Glover and uh, um, Alan Martin. Yeah. So. so this entire uh, thing after the only thing I noticed was, uh, uh, well, actually, we yeah. So this is their match, right? We don't see their uh, we don't see their promo till later. We'll talk about that one. Yeah, the match is pretty quick. Uh, you know, quick yeah. squash. Uh, Ravishing Rick wins with the Rude Reckoning, which at this time yeah. was a DDT. It wasn't his neck breaker that he would later do in the F. Mm-hmm. Which actually, he actually, um, he. He actually next year he was actually that's when he actually would jump ship to the WWE. I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you that. It couldn't have been long before he went to the F. No, right? yeah, he. I think he, he. I think he went to the F around May or April of of yeah. next year, nineteen eighty seven, and he was still in the middle of his tag team run with the Raging Bull. But he was like, you know, fuck it, the money's calling, brother. Yeah, but he made the calling, right move because he was it. a he was a big star yeah. in, in the F. Um, well, yeah, I mean, almost everybody that left. Crockett, knowing what we would ha- know would happen in 1988 and 89, pretty much everybody that left Crockett made the right move. Yeah. Um. Even even Dusty, I mean, uh, not Dusty, but well, Dusty, yes, but even uh, Tully and Arn. I mean, I, I feel like they made the right move with what was happening at the time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So then we get a, a promo from Paul Jones. Mm. So these guys have like a ton of like rivals going on right now. Like Paul Jones, yeah. he has like his own little stable, kind of like how Bobby Heenan does. And it was weird because the crowd was calling him Weasel during this whole time. And I thought they yeah. just did the Weasel for Bobby Heenan, but they were doing it for Paul yeah. Jones over here too. Um, he would just talk about how he has big stars and big players in his group. Apparently, Raging Bull is in a feud with Wahoo McDaniel. Yeah, which he constantly uh, does the uh, the indian thing yeah with his mouth with his mouth to yeah. make sure that we know yes. that he's a racist heel right <laughs> exactly <laughs> well the audience was doing it too i guess i was like his thing well the, uh, that's true i mean back then it's a different time right yeah. things you can't do today and then paul jones is going to say 
I'm gonna, you know, I'm you're gonna lose that match, Jimmy Valiant, and we're gonna shave Big Mama's head bald, and you sh- you're gonna think she's the ugliest thing alive. <laughs> <laughs> and then apparently there's another match going on where they want to take the belts off the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. So that's another feud they got going on. And then yeah, Ravishing, and then Ravishing Room kicks in, saying he's there talking about Wahoo McDonald again. He's like, you're 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 not a red man. You're gonna be a dead man. Oh. And then we cut off the show. So yes, great show. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I was gonna ask you. So what is Paul? I tried to look this up, but I couldn't find any information. What is um, what is Paul Jones's gimmick? Like, what is he wearing? Like, it's like it looks like a safari outfit or a zookeeper's outfit <laughs> to me. But I can't figure out what he's supposed to be. He's got this like leather strap around his shoulder yeah and he's like all wearing like a khaki suit but i'm trying to figure out what the hell he's supposed to be it's supposed to be a uh, a rich safari manager guy sure who okay. runs big fair stars enough. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough so but great show everybody uh check it out on the peacock we're, we're rolling right into starcade very fun mm-hmm. episode where we're we're we're, we're watching this i believe it's the uh, the day right after from beyond so so we're on a hype from from beyond we're watching this show two good uh two good shows but uh allison what are we going to be listening to while we are driving our ass around charlotte trying to find a theater that shows beyond or from yeah, beyond yeah well and yeah while we're driving around charlotte we're trying to we yeah. got there's something new came out so you know like back then at, you know when new stuff came out you drove you, you drove to the tape store to buy whatever new metal cassette came out and this week's release, uh, maybe not the most popular release, and maybe not the thing we like the most, but Striper released "To Hell with the Devil" the day that this movie came out. So we'd be listening to the Christian hair metal band Striper. And uh, I don't know, I don't know how much history you have with the Striper. I, I knew some people <clears throat> growing up that listened to them, but I never owned yeah. any of their albums. Although I've heard all of them, so- I've heard this album many. So personally, I have never heard of this band at all until they were on the Jericho Cruise, I believe, and he did a podcast about them. And yeah, then yeah. the only thing I know about them is they they do the gimmick where they had they're like a metal band, but instead mm-hmm. of doing like the satanic gimmick, they do yeah. like a Christianity gimmick with their metal. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a game. It's just a different gimmick, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but honestly, like listening to that interview with them on the, on the, on Jericho's podcast made me have a lot more respect for them than I ever had before. Like I would be more interested in listening to them now than I would have been in 1986 for sure. But they just seem very genuine in, uh, in what they're saying. Like, you know, it it sounds like less like a gimmick and like, like really a way that they want to live their lives. And I think that, I, I mean, you know, that's admirable. I mean, that's respectable, whether you agree with it or not, it's respectable that they, you, you know that they that they kind of live the gimmick so to speak yeah and like you know um i can kind of respect you know i obviously i'm a big fan of like at this time and how i am in music i like the darker sign musics absolutely so you know obviously if i was around this time i wouldn't pick up this shit with the fucking stick because i'd be probably listening to slayers raining blood because i came out this yep, month the, as well with so month, if yeah. allison if you would have popped your shit in there i'd have been like i would have took that cassette and probably ran over it but uh <laughs> but you know yeah. I can respect that these guys are trying to do something a little different than the normal metal yeah. thrash that we get out of some of these other bands. I can respect that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and sure. you know, I'm pretty sure our boy Crawford, he was probably a big Striper fan. 
You know Maybe. I mean? Yeah, could have been. Could have been. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're a, we're an equal opportunity podcast. Last week we talked about possessed seven churches. Yeah. And this week we're talking about Striper. So, yeah, you know, it's, uh, to hell with the devil. To hell with the devil, man. It was the album that um, they came out with. Yeah. So, so um, you should listen to it. I mean, it's like, it's as good as any other hair metal at the time. Like, I don't like any of that stuff, really. I mean, a few bands. Like, I like Dokken and. Like I like a few of those bands, but like most of that stuff I can't stand. But um, but yeah, like it's you know it's it is what it is, right? You know it's uh, um, you know it it's good for what it is, I guess you could say. Yeah, apparently just like a <clears throat> like a fun album. Um, yeah, I never it's got a great album cover. Yeah, you know, like I would probably would never be a fan of Christianity music. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? But I do respect that there is some bands who have that tone that are actually not bad. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And I think this is like one of the, the, the leading bands that are like that, where they actually sound pretty good, even though they have that kind of like over-religious uh, uh, tone to it. But well, right. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that like the part of the problem with, with this kind of thing <laughs> and this is not a knock on Christianity or anything like that. Um, but like so much of that stuff just seems like a gimmick. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it seems like they don't believe it. And it's just like, it's like put together to be basically to make money. Like, you know, like there's a, like there's a, uh, like a market for it, you know, like, like so many of those bands, like Petra, I think is one of those bands and DC talk and all those bullshit bands like all that all that stuff seems like it was just put together because hey there's a niche for this and there's a void and we can fill this and if we start this band and write songs about christianity we'll be able to sell out arenas because nobody else is doing this but with striper there's a few bands striper trouble we talked about trouble like yeah. a couple months ago trouble is technically a christian band although they don't really push it a lot they didn't push it a lot but Chris, trouble was, was technically a christian doom metal band um, they called it white metal, which now has weird, weird connotations. But anyway, but yeah, it was supposed to be like the opposite of black metal, I guess you could say at the time, but like opposite of what Venom was doing. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like at least I feel like Striper believes in what they're saying. Yes. You know, I feel like they, they may, they may actually believe in it and it may be something they're, they're doing with, with their whole heart instead of it just being fake, just cookie cutter, put together, overproduced bullshit. Yes. That, that is made to sell to parents because they don't want their kids listening to Slayer and they don't want bad influences from people like me and you to get their kids to listen to Slayer. So they buy them these, you know, Christian rock bands and it's just, it's just a money making machine, which so much of religion is obviously a money making machine, but, um, but yeah, so, but I really feel like Striper feel, it just feels real. You know, it feels like, they actually believe it. Yeah, and they're actually pretty talented as well, too. Yeah, and they're actually, they're actually not <clears throat> bad. Yeah, they're definitely not bad. So, But we'll play a little bit of them at the end of the podcast, brother. Yeah. Just to show you guys some, some Striper. But I say we get into who book this shit, brother. No, from, yeah. from beyond, brother. So the director on this one, mm-hmm. um, Stuart Gordon. Yep. All right, was obviously the same guy who did the uh, reanimator. From last week. From last week, too. 
So he apparently this guy is like, if if you want to do an H.P. Lovecraft movie, he is like, I'm down. I will do it, brother, because he loves doing these type of movies. Um, <clears throat> we, it was also produced by the same producer, Brian Usman. So like I said, a, mm-hmm. a lot of the same pr- production crew and some of the cast from Reanimator uh, did this movie as well. So some of the production. Um, so, you know, obviously, Stuart, he brought back Jeffrey Combs. Which this guy, mm-hmm. like, he is an '80s treasure because I'm I'm surprised yeah. he wasn't in more movies. But this guy was fan, like the crazy scientist guy stuff gone wrong. He plays that character to a T. Okay, yeah, he's great. He's so good. Like he should have been yes. a bigger star than he was. Yes, and like I mean, my God, this guy is like freaking <laughs> great when it comes to like some of the shit he did. Um, because I know I know he did um. God, what did he do? So, so like apparently after this, he did Cyclone. Uh, mm. He did Dead Man Walking, the Phantom, the Phantom Empire, Pulse Prounders. So, but he also like he came back for the, uh, which we'll probably do one of these episodes, which you, we probably should have done later on. Bride of Reanimator. All right, so yeah. he comes back in that one. <clears throat> oh shit! I didn't realize. Yeah, he, was he in does there. a. Go ahead. I was going to say, he worked with Stuart Gordon a lot. <clears throat> yeah, a lot. Um, but he was also in uh, Love and a 45, which is a great movie, Lurking Fear. He he was also in... Um, so these movies, the movie we did last week and the movie we did next week, were all also um, related around Charles Band, who would start Full Moon Pictures like a year or two after this. Um, and um, so he was still producing movies at this point before he for other companies before he started his own, but then he would also work with, with Charles band a lot for, for films like uh pit and the pendulum. Um, what's another one he was in robot jocks, which is great. Um, but yeah, that would happen in like the early nineties a lot, late age, early nineties. Yeah. Like he's done a lot, <clears throat> you know, when it comes to, uh, uh, different style of movies and stuff. But, uh, I always thought he was just played the, uh, the, the evil scientist or the science guy, like perfect. And I didn't realize yeah. he was in um, this movie called The Giver. Yes, uh, he was in The Giver. Nineteen ninety one. But when we do nineties, that is definitely gonna be one of the movies because you know that has Mark Hamill in it too, which is really yeah. Good. We gotta do The Giver when we get to the nineties <laughs> some at some point. So um, oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say that. Uh, but yeah, Jeffrey Coombs kind of played a different uh, role in this though. Like in the yeah. last movie, he was the bad guy, and this one, he's kind of the face. Yeah, so it's yeah, cool. Yeah, so he it was like a, the characters were kind of similar, but they were like a little bit reversed. You know, where where his Herbert West character was so passionate about you know cheating death that he would do anything, no matter what, to cheat this death. Well, this character, Crawford, was, listen, guys, I don't want this fucking penal gland to go crazy. And, you know, can we not do this, please? All right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so basically, it was a little, little, little same, but a little different. He was passionate about not getting this project done, but the other one was passionate right. about, about, about getting the project done. Exactly, exactly. So <clears throat> Stewart, he, he pretty much cast, um, you know, Jeffrey Combs, and then he also cast Barbara uh, Crampton in this movie, too. Did he Did he ever? Did he yeah, ever, yes. So Barbara Crampton in this yeah. movie was like, uh, uh, it's almost like he was like, what would, what would, what would I like to see Barbara Crampton do? Yes. So, yeah, so uh, as much as I love Barbara Crampton, 
Um, I think she's fantastic. Um, she's she's great in the roles that she plays. She's gorgeous. Um, and then, but in this, this is like an over the top kind of kind of role for her. I think. Yeah, a little um, bit. But yeah, this is, we'll, we'll get to that in the movie. But yeah. So he cast him pretty much because he became used to working with them, which we see that with directors all the time. You know what I mean? Sure. Like certain directors have their favorite people to cast because they feel like they can easily adapt to these roles quicker. And we've seen that, like I said, with many directors over the history of filming. Um, you know, he was interested in, in possibly making a series of HP, HP Lovecraft films with the same cast. So basically what he wanted to do was start like a video collection of H.P. Lovecraft stories and make them to movies, right. but have the same cast reenacting all the stories. Right. Kind of like a modern day American Horror Story, you know, stuff like that. Where we have like the yeah. same cast, but they're doing like different plot lines and stories that we come up with. Yeah, Which I think is a great idea. I would have loved to see a lot more of these films like this because this guy's filming style and his stuff is great. I loved all these movies. Yeah. I think they only made a couple more. They made Dagon, yeah. which is an H.P. Lovecraft one, and, and The Lurking Fear. Um, I don't know if Stuart Gordon directed that, but Lurking Fear is also a H.P. Uh, Lovecraft thing. Well, apparently Gordon, Combs, and, and Crampton w would work together on a third Lovecraft adapt uh, a third Lovecraft story in 1995, the direct-to-video Castle Freak. Oh, I didn't know that was Lovecraft, but yeah, they uh -huh. did They did that too. They did that as well. Yeah, and Gordon would later direct versions of two more of Lovecraft's works, the film Diagon, like you said, and he would yeah. do the second episode of the Master of Horror television series H.P. Lovecraft's Dreams in the Witch House in 2005. Which is, yeah, which is also good. I saw that as well. Many members of the production staff from Reanimator, Reanimator also had similar roles in the production of From Beyond, including screenwriter Dennis, producer Brian Usman, executive producer Charles Ban, and director of photography Mac, and special effects artists John Carl and John Newland. So a lot of the same people who did the same directing, special effects, everything in Reanimator pretty much came back to do this film as well too. Yeah, and Richard Band also did the music. Charles Band's brother also did the music for this, um, just like he did in Reanimator. Yes. So, From Beyond was shot in Italy with an Italian crew in order to save money. Gordon says that the film would have cost $15 million to make in the United States, whereas the foreign production enabled him to hold costs to approximately $2.5 million. Well, that's a big difference. Okay. That's a big difference, but um, also, I don't know. I guess some of this stuff was expensive, but, but the total I have is four million that it cost. But okay, uh, but two and a half million. I don't even know where that. I, I don't know where that money went, unless you know the. I don't. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know where that. Where well, that those three D effects mean, back in the day, brother. All right, that was probably expensive. I guess that those, was. I'm uh, not sure how they did that in 1986. Those but. floating uh, sperm fish. Okay. Yeah, because you would think that that would be like a computer graphic, but I don't think so. I don't think they could do that in 1986. So I don't, I don't know how they actually did that. Actually, so it was filmed on a soundstage. Hope I don't fuck up this name. Called Denici, just outside sure. Rome. Denici was originally constructed by uh, Dano de Delinci, but was seized by the government for non-payment of taxes, and then sold to Empire Studios. From Beyond was one of the first films shot at the venue during its period of ownership by Empire. Gordon mm -hmm. shot his film 
Dolls at the same time that it was released the following year. Doing two movies at once, that's cool. As with his earlier yeah. film, Reanimator, Gordon made us made it made use of medical um, advisories to be sure that the actions taken by the doctor and nurses of the film followed proper medical procedures, which is not true because yes. there's a scene where they put Crawford's head in the fucking uh, brain machine and that doctor was smoking inside doors. You cannot tell me yes. that you can smoke in a medical facility even in the 80s. Maybe I don't. I don't really know, but I mean, I know at some point they they uh, they stopped smoking inside. But yeah, it was, seems unlikely that they would smoke while they were doing medical procedures, though. Yes. Four separate special effects teams worked on effects from Beyond. According to Usman, the production ran out of money before the effects on the final could be finished. Mm. Well, fuck, man. I mean, how much fucking slime did you need? Yeah, more <laughs> slime. So according to Gordon, securing an R rating from the MPAA was a challenge ordeal because the MPA told him that it was the combination effects of the graphic content rather than any special content in his first presentation cut of the film that went beyond what audience would expect from an R-rated film, making it difficult for him to know what he needs to, to, to cut in order to get an R rating. So apparently... Yeah, so a bit... Go ahead. I was going to say, basically what they're saying is that it's it's not any specific thing. It's just the concept of the whole thing. Yes. Which I can I kind of understand in a way. Like, some of this was, like, really, really, uh, really gross. Well, <laughs> I yeah. mean, are they mostly talking about the actual effects of the slimy demons, or are they talking about the overtone sexual stuff? I think all of it. I yeah. think that's what they're talking about is, like, all of it. I don't think it's any specific thing. It's, like, they're talking about the... Uh, you know, the sexual sadism kind of overtones in it. Yeah. Um, which is, for, I don't even know why it's in this movie, um, but it, it has nothing to do with the plot, really. But, um, but yeah, the sexual, like... What kind like of does? Bondage, the, what kind of does, you're right. Like with the did, bondage the, elements. The penal gland, maybe that they said penal, that... The penal, the penal gland. Yeah, the, the penal yeah. gland. <laughs> it makes you more sexual. Uh, well, okay, that's true. That's true. But yeah, I think it's like the... Uh, the combination of all of that plus the violence plus the like um just the way it looks like with the tentacles coming out of people's foreheads and stuff like that yeah so he submitted multiple cuts of the film to the MPAA each time making small trims without removing any entire sequences before mm -hmm. th before they at least sent him a message that if he cut a single specific frame they would give it an R rating he later he later he later said Easy for me to say. He later said that his <laughs> process ended up making the film stronger since the final cut left more to the viewer's imagination and gave viewers less time to study the special effects and figure out how they were done. So, yeah. Plus, it gave him more cuts. You yes. know what I mean? Like, he had to edit it multiple times, so he got, he, it forced him to work on it more, which makes sense. So, MGM released an unrated cut from Beyond containing the footage which was deleted from the film in order to get an, it an R rating. It was probably the one we watched. From beyond, uh, I'd say that's probably what we watched. Yeah, which is we we watched this on Tubi. Everybody, the, if you guys can't find it, um, it's free on the Tubi. Got to watch a couple commercials, but it's still really good. So, you know, before that happened, From Beyond has only only previously only been released in its original R-rated form. This longer director's cut version aired on the Monsters HD channel and was later released on DVD September 11th, 2007. 
So the film score by Richard Band, which we talked about earlier, won won mm. the award for best original soundtrack at the Sittich Catlin International Film Festival in Spain. So they won an award for this soundtrack in Spain. Yeah, good for them. So apparently, in 2021, a miniseries directed and written by William Butler titled The Resonator, Mystonic You, was released to the Full Moon Features app and Amazon Prime Video before making it its way to Blu-ray and DVD that same year. It began airing on Pluto Sci-Fi Channel on September 23rd, 2001. On September 30th, 2001, CEO of Full Moon Charles Band announced that future episodes would start releasing all the way into 2022. So apparently yeah, there so is like a little mini series that I never mm-hmm. even heard about yep. uh, about the actual machine that was in this movie, the resonator. Yeah, I did I did not even know this existed, so now I need to look for this because I really want to see this sequel to From Beyond. Yeah. So everybody, we will be checking that out because that sounds pretty awesome. Speaking of awesome, let's get into it, everybody. Let's get into the full review of From Beyond. All right. Every journey begins in the mind. A flight of imagination. A vision of what might lie across the universe. Or within the deepest regions of the subconscious. Dr. Edward Pretorius is about to embark on such a journey. It's out of control. You've got to turn it off. Humans are such easy prey. From the makers of Reanimator, from beyond. All right. So we start off. We see our boy Jeffrey Combs typing on a typewriter fiercely. Allison, did you ever? Did you have yourself a typewriter? I only have, <clears throat> excuse me. I only ever had to use one once, yeah. and uh, all I can say is I'm glad uh, word processors were invented. Yes. So, actually, wait. Was it a typewriter he was typing on, or was it the computer screen at this time? It was more. Of um. Time. I. Yeah, it's one of the. I actually can't remember in the, the very beginning of this, but yeah, yeah, I don't think we saw it. But basically, we 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 kind of see him typing our boy Jeffrey, and his name in this movie is going to be Doctor Crawford. And he is fiercely mm-hmm. typing at the beginning. And then he's walking around this 80s laboratory. All right. And like this laboratory was so interesting because it was basically all like these like 80s like science Star, Star Trek <laughs> structures. All right. All around there. And then you look up and just wood ceilings. Like it's just yeah. like it just it's very interesting. <laughs> Of how the placement of those, because usually in laboratories that we see, like yeah, we see all these like fancy machines and shit, but it's all like steel walls. You know what I mean? Or like white right. walls, steel walls. This was like wood. It was yeah. just so random. So I, I mean, I, it, it was, and that's probably just what that room looked like. But I take it as so the way I took that, I believe that gimmick because I was like, well, they just set up this laboratory in whatever room they had. Yeah. So you know, he's in this room. And he's got, you know, this room with a wooden ceiling, and that's just where he set up his laboratory because he's doing these, all these outlaw, these like outlaw mud show uh, science experiments. 
Yeah, so he's he turned on his machine that uh it, did you ever have that ball that you can touch it and it like lasers your hand you know what i'm talking about no yeah I, i've always wanted one of those in fact i still do but yeah that's what it looked that's like the on this thing. thing right yeah the, yeah. Yeah, the sciencey ball <laughs> on there so he turns on this machine then he starts to seeing some floating fish sperm yeah weird huh 3d rhyming 3d effects here brother a fish and he's like he's like looking at him like oh shit and then like the, the one of the fish goes up to him and it bites his ass and he gets out of there. So he goes and he goes talks to Dr. Edward, who we see mm-hmm. we see him with the shirt off a lot. Kind of creepy. We do. Uh-huh. We do, yeah. He has a shirt off over here and he's like he's like, Doctor, I figured it out. And the doctor's like, Okay, you better not be messing with me. He's like, <laughs> you know, this better be worth it. Let me see it. So they go up to the machine, he turns it on, and right when he turns it on, Edward Crawford's like, Dear God. Just like his like <laughs> the jeffrey's acting yes. on certain words are just so like he just does them so well like this one yeah like, he's, he's so good at that like yeah. it's funny but it, it i think i think what it is is he's so serious that it makes yeah. it funny you know what yeah. i mean yeah <laughs> so so then like this edward guy he is loving what's going like he basically what's going on is his pineal pineal gland <laughs> All Here right. we go. <laughs> <laughs> this is being stimulated right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he's basically doesn't want it to stop. Like Crawford wants to turn off the machine. He doesn't want to turn off the machine. He just wants to keep seeing. He, he keeps wanting to seeing what this thing is trying to show him. And then they keep saying about, well, it's going to come off. I got to shut it off. And he's like, don't, you know, just don't shut it off. So then we cut to like this older lady. She's calling the police. She's like, hey. Cops, you guys, I called up many times about these, these this house right next to me. You said to call if anything strange is going on, but something strange is going on right now, and the cops just ignore her. It's like, what the hell? And then her her dog, Bunny, who was named after one of her, one of the production crew, which I thought that was pretty funny, runs out mm-hmm. to the house, and now she goes and follows the bunny to this mansion lab that they're in. All right. And they go up to the mansion house. Of course, the mansion's number is 666. <laughs> of course. Of course it was. Yeah. And she goes up to the stairs. She hears like this screaming. And then she sees Crawford. He's like runs out of there, passes the lady by. I thought that was kind of funny. Like he doesn't even look at her. He just passes her by. <laughs> runs out. He runs into the cops' hand, gets arrested. And then um, the old lady realizes that she left her dog there. And then we see Bunny licking the dead Edward's body, which his head chopped off. And then we have the intro to From Beyond. Yeah. So now we're at uh, like a like a like a psych ward, all right. And we have we meet Doctor Blanche, which is like the the main doctor of this ward, and she is now meeting another character, played by Barbara Crampton. She is playing Doctor Catherine McMichaels. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Dr. Catherine is basically, she studies um, schizophrenia, okay? But the way, so Dr. Blanche doesn't like, she, she's heard about this Catherine girl before, and she doesn't really like the way that she takes care of her patients. She says, like, basically Catherine, she, she looks at her patients more like, just like all, like, test test dolls and stuff like she doesn't care about their actual beings just the way that she does her her experiments on these uh on these patients like she doesn't like she doesn't do it the traditional way basically so this doctor 
Dr. Blanche girl is not, not having her at all. But the the police brought her in so they could talk to Dr. Crawford because basically they don't have a lot of evidence of how this Edward girl and Edward, Edward girl Edward guy died. You know, like they they they're not really like you know what I mean? Like they they don't know what happened to this. They don't see any blood anywhere. They don't see him. He's missing. Like they they they're very confused. Right. So and then they they basically just think this Crawford guy is insane now, and they need to get to the bottom of this. So that's why they brought her in. So they mm-hmm. they they go they meet Crawford and Catherine's basically asking like Crawford like you know hey they talk about his history saying like yes he could have been great and they're like hey looks like you were studying under Doctor Edward. He's like, I wasn't studying. I was his assistant. And they're yes. like, okay, well, what? Big difference. Yes. So what were you What were you doing? He's like, well, what we were doing <laughs> was we <laughs> let were. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what we were doing. What we were doing is we were exploring how to stimulate the pineal gland. <laughs> yes. Is that right? Pineal. Pineal gland. I can't say that word either. I, I say pineal gland, but it could be wrong. Let's go for pineal gland. Okay. Pineal gland. Okay. So they want to stimulate the pineal gland. All right. Mm-hmm. And the effects of what happens when it's stimulated. And basically saying, yeah. like, so we, we created this machine called the resonator. All right. And that stimulated the gland. And while I was doing it, he explains, like, like there's these things everywhere. Like, they can't yeah. see us and we can't see them. But if we stimulate the gland, it's like these like floating fish things. <laughs> and they're all like looking at him like, oh, boy, this guy is crazy. He's like, listen, like they're not even the worst part. The reason no. we had to shut it off is because it came. And you're like, well, what the fuck is it? He's like, right. He's like, listen, it is the thing that took, uh, you know. Edward. Edward. Yeah. And they're also saying like, you know, when they, when you, when you stimulate the gland, like your sixth sense kind of comes up like, a, you know, and then they're talking about like, that's not an old, that's, apparently that's been a theory from somebody yeah. else. So it's, it's like this theory that somebody else came up with, but it's not a theory anymore. It's actually a fact that when you stimulate the, the pineal gland, you get a sixth sense and you can see like, these creatures everywhere. Like it's from a different dimension. Like you can see them walking around us. They're always around us, but you can only see them when you stimulate the gland. Yeah, yeah. I didn't read the book on this one, and I'm wondering if the term... Uh, see, I can't figure out why this is called the resonator, but I'm wondering if that may be leftover, a leftover idea from the book. Like, you know, the H.P. Lovecraft book, because he wrote these, he's wrote his his novel, his stories in, like, the 30s. Yeah. So, you know, the, like, everything that he did sounded like all the science stuff he talked about sounds like old, old science stuff. Yeah. That you wouldn't, you wouldn't use in the, in that, in the eighties. So I'm wondering if the resonator was like a leftover from his story. I think it's a weird thing to call this machine, but anyway, yeah. Where were we? So he's, <laughs> he's also saying like, you know, I just had to turn off the machine. He's like, you know, mm-hmm. cause they were, they were coming all around us and then he came and they're like, who came? It. He's like, it, it came. <laughs> he's like, he said, I had to destroy the resonator because of what, you know, what, what came and what, what, what I could see. And then he was all like, you know, what happened is like, it came and it mm. ate Edward like a gingerbread man. What a weird description. 
And they're all looking like, and they all run out of there like, yeah, he's batshit crazy. <laughs> so basically, Dr. Yeah. Botch is like, see, I told you he was crazy. And then Catherine's like, listen, I don't know. Like, maybe we can, maybe I could dig a little deeper into him, you know, in, into mm-hmm. his mind and figure out what's going on. And then basically, she ha- she comes up with a plan where she wants to take, um, she wants to scan his brain. Okay. So this is mm-hmm. the part where we get them scanning his brain and stuff. Right. And this is the part where she's like smoking. I was like, there's no way they can do that. <laughs> All right. Come on now. And of course, Crawford. Yeah, not, not even in the 80s. Yeah. So Crawford's freaking. And then they realize like he has a, he does actually, in fact, have a oversized pineal gland. All right. Wow. And Science. Yes. And they're like thinking like, okay, are you sure it's not just some sort of fucking tumor? She's like, no. It's like, look, there's no tumor trauma around it at all. He actually has an oversized gland. So she's like thinking like, you know, I think the best way to to figure this out, this is Catherine, is like if we re- recreate his experiment and see what is going on here. Mm-hmm. And then Blotch is like, listen, no, 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 no. She's like, no. It's like, <laughs> you, your practices hurt patients. You don't give a shit about them at all. You know what I mean? You're, you're a reckless doctor, and I don't want to give up control to you. So you can tell, like, this Blotch girl, she is not having this Catherine girl for anything, any right. advice or anything right. at all. Well, so, and right at this point, I'm believing her because, so, like, we just saw and we just heard the story about what happens with this resonator. So she thinks that the best course of action is to do this experiment again. Yeah. Even though a guy got eaten by, like, a gingerbread man. We should do this experiment again. Yeah, we got to see what happens. All <laughs> right, right, we got to see, see if this is really true about stimulating. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe Catherine, she's all about the stimulation. Stimulating. Um, oh, she's definitely about the stimulation. Yes. So this is when they're, they basically, they're, the Catherine, the Blotch, and then the sheriff are in a room. And the sheriff is just all out of ideas because he said there's no evidence, there's no blood, there's nothing. They can't figure out at all. So it was like, okay, listen, we'll try, we'll try it your way, Catherine. We'll put the care of of Crawford in your hands, and see if you can figure this out. And I'll give you one of my best sergeants to do that. Sure. So now she she goes and gathers Crawford. She's like, hey, you're in my care now. And Crawford's like, okay, well, I'll schedule an appointment. She's like, no, you don't understand. You're like fully in my care. Like you have to do exactly <laughs> what I say. And she's like, we're gonna go back to the Edwards house. She's like, no, you can't get me back there. She's like, okay, well. You're either going to stay in here for the rest of your life or you're going to go there. He's like, that's not much of a choice. <laughs> that's not much of a choice. <laughs> so, they, so they're so they about to leave. Then this is when we meet, and I couldn't believe my eyes, we meet Sergeant Buddy Brownie, who is played yes. by Ken Foray. Ken Foray. And I was yeah, like, oh. From Dawn of the Dead. From Dawn of the Dead. Mm. I was like, this guy, I, oh yeah, this guy was great. I was yes, like, he's great at everything. Yes, I was like, you know, we meet, we needed him in, in more stuff. So, talk talk about somebody who should have been a bigger star. Ken yeah. Foray is a great actor. He is so good. Yeah, so good. So he's been in a. Oh yeah, that's right. He was in the um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre three as well too. Mm-hmm. So he's been, you know, he's been in action movies. He's been in in horror. So he does like a l- little bit of both. But he is uh, he's he's a good. One. I thought he was pretty. Uh, Pretty like interesting in this film, so yeah. People, people from today might know him from uh, Keenan and Kill, or maybe not from today. But that was like a Nickelodeon show that I never watched. But he was in that too. Yes, 
yeah so he's been in, he's been in a pretty good amount of stuff um, so he introduces him to himself to Crawford. He thought he, he thought he thought Crawford was the doctor, but he's not. But you know, just a just a missing missing uh, mis- miscalculation there. And Catherine's saying, "I'm the doctor, Catherine." And then Crawford's like, "Yeah, I'm the crazy one." And he's all like, "Well, hey, I used to play pro football, and we were all crazy." <laughs> he eats his apple. So we're back at the house. With uh, all three of them, Crawford, Bubba, and and uh, Catherine, and apparently they're on like what Denvelo Street? Am I saying that right? Nah, sure, that's close enough. Denvelo, yeah, something like that. I think Denvelo, De- yeah. Denvelet Street. Denvelet, Denvelet Street. Sure. Got the nerds of this pocket be like, "Fuck you, this asshole didn't even know the street." <laughs> Bro, I saw it for like two seconds, okay? I can't pause yeah, that. Exactly. You know how hard it is exactly. to pause on Tubi, guys? Okay? Yeah, it's impossible. You can't. Because if you pause on Tubi, you got to start the damn movie. You got to start it all over again, all right? <laughs> so give me a break here, okay, guys? <laughs> Please. So Crawford, he's all freaking out and shit, okay? He's like, he doesn't want to go in. But basically, you know, <laughs> um, the Catherine's like, hey, you know, can you show us around the house? You know the house best better, all right? And he like refuses to kind of go in. But I was like, listen, man, there's nothing to be afraid of. And he just walks right in the door. They all walk in. You know, they're looking around a bit. Bubba trips on a on, on a wire. Because he's all saying, like, listen, everything is all good. And he just, like trips on the fucking wire. Crawford's all like, hey, yeah, we had to do extra power to get the resonator working. So we, we yeah. wired the whole house for the generator to the, to the resonator to get more power to it. And then this is when the electricity... Also- oh, go ahead. They'll say it all sounds so sciencey, right? And to yes. really think about what they're saying, yes. and it just sounds ridiculous. But yeah, it sounds sciencey. We had to, we had to, we had to wire the generator straight to the resonator. Yes. So sure. So Thank now you. they're trying to turn on the power because you know it's, it's kind of dark in there. And this is when Crawford escapes. <clears throat> so like, fuck, where did he go? So they go find the generator. They turn on the lights, and now Bubba wants to find the crazy man who's walking around Crawford. He's like hiding away. They're all like looking around the house, and uh, Bubba and Catherine they go to, and I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw this. They go to Edward's S and M room, and they start watching one of Edward's tapes of him doing some S and M on this random girl. And I was like, "Where? Wait, wait a minute. Where? How, where, where? Where did this come from?" Okay. That's what I was talking about. Like, so they walk into this S and M room that he. So he has like, so Doctor Pretorius Edward has this like room where he has all this like um, bondage gear and like, um, you know, which um, you know, and they're talking about how like it's the weirdest thing in the world. I mean, I don't think that's that weird, but well, nowadays it's probably not. Maybe in the eighties they're like, oh, what the hell is going on? Maybe maybe in the eighties people didn't talk about this, but like, but yeah, I mean, it's like this. Like he has this work area where he works on the resonator, but he also has this bondage room that he built. Yeah, that has a TV in it that shows videos of him like doing bondage stuff with women. Yeah, and which was that just playing when they walked in, or did Ken Foray turn it on? I think I think he turned it on. I think I'm pretty sure he had turned it on, (laughs) and he was showing Catherine like, look at look this this look look, this is what we're finding. And basically, Catherine's saying, I don't really care about a sexual present. I just want to know about his experiment. Yeah. Like, she's not giving right. a fuck. Right. So they go to the uh, resonator room. Okay. Mm-hmm. And 
So they're looking around the lab. Um, they, they start looking at the resonator. Crawford tries to run up and tries to destroy the machine, but Bubba stops him, grabs him. Then, you know, eventually Catherine says, let him go. Crawford then was doing his science stuff. Like, this is how it was. This is all where, this is, this is where it ate him right here. This is where it ate him like a gingerbread man. Yes. And then Catherine's like, okay, we could start this in the morning if we need some rest. And Bubba, he just wants to eat dinner. All right. But then, you know, Crawford just wants to get this shit over. Let's, like, let's just do it now. They're like, no, no, no. I'm starving. The only thing that's going to die here is my appetite. So then they make like, I don't know what the hell this thing was. Was it like stew or something? The food that they were eating? Um, they kind of look like something. Uh, they kind of yeah, look like cabbage and like some stew underneath <laughs> it. It's <was> so weird. <laughs> Maybe it's like some kind of Italian thing because yeah. they filmed it in Italy. Maybe it's yeah. like Italian or something. I, don't know. I had no idea what it was. I mean, it looked okay. So, so they're so now after they eat and stuff, they're uh, uh, they're back in the lab. Crawford is looking around nervous. All right, she's seeing Catherine sleep. And Bubba's like mm-hmm. looking on outside of the window and stuff, and then you know Crawford was like slowly going over to to Catherine. It looks like he was I don't know if he was trying to knock her out or something. Something's going on. But then like Bubba comes up behind him. Was like she's beautiful, ain't she? He's like she's gorgeous. All right. Yeah. And so we're we're seeing that whole story play out. Uh, and then like this is when this is when um, Crawford was giving some back history about Edward. He was saying, like, I've seen gorgeous women here before. You know, mm-hmm. Edward, he used to bring guests here, and he would feed them fine food and fine wine, but it would always end up with screams. Always screams. Yep. I didn't do anything about yep. it. I just heard the screams in the room all the time. Yeah, and then take him to his uh, yeah. bondage room. Yes. And he, he's, like, saying, like, even those, all this pleasure and stuff, he, 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 did, he just wanted more. He just constantly wanted more. And stuff out of this. So eventually, Catherine wakes up and is like, "Okay, are we all ready?" And then I'll call it, uh, Crawford is like setting everything up right now. He's like setting up the whole resonator machine. So he's like explaining the process to everybody. Crawford is. He's like, "All right, everybody, I'm gonna turn this fucking machine on. All right. Once I turn this on, don't move. Okay. And don't move. Please don't move. Okay." And they're like, well, why not? It's like, well, it will see you. Well, what's it? I don't fucking know, but it will see you. I don't, I don't know. Okay? I don't know, but it, it will. And then Bubba's like, we sure you... And Bubba's like, doesn't... He's like, oh, are we sure? Are we ready for this stuff? And then Catherine's like, yes. You know, don't worry, but we're all good for this. And he's like, listen, guys, I'm about to turn on the machine so everybody stay still. Okay? So, no shit. This guy turns on the machine. The first thing everybody does is move. I'm like, what? Did we not hear this guy? Did it... Didn't he not just say yes. to be still? Like, literally, he the, turned the on the fish. machine and they just start moving. I'm like, come on, guys. He just said three times move, to move. Okay? Yeah, if you Fuck. if you move, the fish sperm will come and attack yes, us. Exactly. That's basically what he's saying. He's like, listen, they can't see us if we don't fucking move. Okay? So don't fuck. And then they yeah, just start moving. I'm like, Fuck. yeah, they're like they're like a T Rex. Yes. Right? From Jurassic Park. If you, they can't move, you can't see if you don't move. So, yes. But let's stand still. But as soon as we turn it on, everybody starts it's moving. Start moving. Like fucking, fucking fantastic. Uh, exactly. So we turned on the, the machine. Crawford's head starts hurting because he's already had his penal gland stimulated. <laughs> All right. 
So the rest of them head starts hurting now because they're starting to get stimulated. And then Crawford now staring a hole through fucking Catherine, like, you know, because, you know, the, the, the pineal gland, if, if you stimulate it, it not only makes you see flying sperm creatures, it also makes your dick hard as well. It does, yeah. So, so Bubba, he's starting to feel good now. And he starts to seeing some of the fish. And of course, this motherfucker sees the fish and he moves. And so he moves towards the fish. Crawford's like, no, don't do that. And then the fish starts attacking his ass. All right? Mm-hmm. And then and then Catherine's like, is this what you saw before? And he's like, yes, this is what I saw. That's exactly what I saw. And then they're they're about to go turn it off because he wants to, you know, Crawford wants to turn it off. But then we hear a voice, Crawford, Crawford. And like, what? Who is that? And everybody's like, hey, who is that? Show yourself. Show yourself. And it is none other than the doctor himself, Edward, naked. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he says, That's exactly what we right. see. There's slime on him. Slime on him. He's all hairy and ill. Okay. So he said, oh God. I was like, really, guys? So he said, like, uh, he's like, He's like, hey, I'm here, your friend. He's like, he's like, I'm not dead. He's like, because Crawford's like, I saw you die. I saw you get eaten stuff. He's like, I didn't die. You know, I am your friend, Edward. But I have moved. I have moved beyond this realm. I've moved beyond. And then he's, then he kept saying, yeah. like, bring your friend over here. Bring that girl over here. Because remember, he's like, uh, he loves to have S&M stuff with pretty women. So he sees Dr. Yes. Catherine. He's like, okay, automatically he wants to somehow turn her over to his well we'll get to there we'll get there <laughs> but yeah but yeah i mean like we complain at this point you know i mean just just just, just to put this out there we do complain that we see uh dr dr Pretorius, you know naked his naked slimy body but we aren't complaining when we see barbara crampton naked so just saying oh yeah no no we'll get there soon though. that's perfect that's perfectly okay yes <laughs> so so he's, he kept telling him to bring the uh, the girl over there, and he's basically saying he's the master in here now. He's like, and then like you know, Crawford can't believe it. it's like, are you are you really him? Are you really Edward? He's like, yes, come over here and touch me. So Crawford comes over there and touches him, and then he's like melts, and then his skin starts to melt off, and Crawford's skin starts to melt off, and he pulls off his face, and he's like, listen, it's just a body. The body doesn't mean anything. It's my mind. My mind is now invincible in this place. And then his fucking head splits open. We see some. We see where the budget is going. And then the returning yes. to some more slimy creatures here, brother. And then Bubba starts to go over there and starts to shoot his ass. All right, tries to shoot him, but then uh, it doesn't really work. And then this is when we get um, Crawford. He actually goes and turns off the fucking machine. Yeah. One one thing I liked about this scene was like it never stops. Yeah. Like it shows Crawford there with the slime on him, and then it shows, which is kind of like on the cover of the video box. And then it shows like then it then his face starts to melt and then he pulls his face off and then his face splits in two and it's just like this constant like just like every like as soon as we think we've taken this as far as it can go like it just keeps going and going and going with this like gory like transformation it was awesome yeah so Crawford turns out the se- the machine Bubba throws up and they start all cooking eggs so this is um. This is Kath- so they're all eating the eggs at the table. Yeah, after after uh, that, so this, they yeah. saw this dude get his head split, head split, this dude's head split apart yeah. and turn into like a demon, and then now we're gonna have eggs. Yeah, 
Barbara brings that up. I wouldn't even be eating. I wouldn't eat for a week after after this had happened. Yeah. Barbara's kind of bringing that up. Like, how could he eat all this shit during this? <laughs> <laughs> so the biggest thing is that Catherine, she feels great. She's talking about the creatures and, you know, like how, like, this is like such a big uh, discovery. You know what I mean? And, you know, Bubba's like, how can yeah. he eat after all this stuff? We almost died in there. And she was all happy about Crawford. She's like, hey, Crawford, you know, you overcame your freer. We we now know that we now know that you're not crazy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um and then, you know, it's like so basically she's saying like Catherine, she now wants to go write a story about the discovery that they found about the, the pineal gland and how large when it comes large and how it can kind of connect. So basically what is so basically her idea now is that she thinks that because of this machine and studying this gland that she can yeah. now cure um, schizophrenia with this. Like she thinks like this is the cure for, for fixing schizophrenia. Cause maybe she's thinking that if she scans a lot of patients who have schizophrenia, they actually might have a oversized pineal gland and that's why they're seeing these things, and that's why they're that's why they're actually crazy because their 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 gland is making them see these creatures that they just saw. And yeah, they, I mean, I don't know why she thinks that, but yeah, she well, does think she that. thinks that because there's a a backstory she tells us where oh, she yes. she is she, so apparently she was telling Crawford because Crawford he don't want, so basically the thing is Catherine she wants to do the experiment again. Like, she wants to go mm. back in there and do some more research. And Crawford's like, no. And Bubba's like, are you kidding me? We almost got eaten by that <laughs> it thing in there. But she's like, no, we have to do this. Like, this is, like, one of the biggest discoveries. And, I, you know, it's going to be fine. You know, Crawford was saying, like, listen, I, Edward was like that, too. When he was getting stimulated, he this thing overcame him. And you saw what happened. And I feel like the same thing's happening to you. So then Catherine gives us this long story about how, you know, her dad was a guy diagnosed with schizophrenia. They did all the experiments mm. on him and they eventually fried his fucking brain. All right. And she, and ever since then, she wants to find a cure for schizophrenia. So something like that pain could never happen to anybody else like it happened to her before. And she thinks she has finally found the the one cure with this resonator pineal gland machine. So Sure. And then Bubba does ask about his hard-on that he had in there. And she was saying, like, well, and then she starts staring at Crawford saying, I guess this machine makes, you know, people's sexual tension a little higher. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so you know, and they all kind of, like, they don't really agree to do the machine again. And because, like, you know, also, too, you know, Edward, I mean, uh, Bubba was also saying, like, you know, we can bring this to the, to the police and everything and tell them all what happened. I mean, they're probably going to think we're crazy. But, you know, that's, that's for them to figure it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sure, so, but yeah, but they basically they're they're in like a little back and forth about trying out the machine or not. Basically, Catherine's all on board to try it, but the rest of the crew is like, no, nah, no, nah, we, we let's not do this. So they're basically saying, okay, let's just let's just get some rest, and we'll figure it out in the in the morning time or nighttime or something. So Catherine, she's trying to sleep right, but she can't because her head starts hurting a little bit. Because remember, she's stimulated now. Okay. So basically, she's being drawn to the machine, the resonator. All right, and then we see everybody else is pretty much having nightmares too. Like Crawford can barely sleep. Bubba can also can barely sleep as well too. 
And then Catherine eventually goes all the way up to the machine and she turns on the machine. And right when she does that, Crawford wakes up and he goes to the lab and he tries to turn off the machine. Um, and then before he can try to turn off the machine, this is when he, he's, he's trying to he's trying to turn it off. But then Catherine like stops him by kissing him because she's feeling it. So she's getting overly stimulated now with this, oh, with oh, this yeah. machine in here. And they both start kissing you know, because, you know, it makes you horny. Not only yeah. do you see Neo's sperm creatures. Going haywire. Yeah, it's going haywire not now. And Crawford's like, you know, we got to stop this machine. And it says, like, it, it, it said, if we, if we don't stop it, it won't stop. We should talk about Edward. So basically, when, it, when the machine is going on, um, mm-hmm. Crawford's about to go and uh, turn it off. All right, but this is when Edward shows up. And. See, he, he grabs uh, Catherine, all right, and he, he kind of like knocks down uh, Crawford, and Crawford basically saying the only way he can turn out this machine is if he goes down to the generator room and, and unplugs it. And so, like, he does that while uh, uh, Ed, Edward has grabbing Catherine, and he's basically trying to kiss her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... So now uh, Bubba runs like somehow Bubba like runs right into <laughs> um, um, uh, uh, Crawford down the stairs and stuff, and he's basically saying we got to go get to the generator room right now because the machine got turned on and stuff. And and fucking Bubba, he's like he's like in his tidy whities bro. <laughs> he just run around everywhere. <laughs> so we see Edward. This is the interesting scene that you probably wouldn't see a lot in the horror films. Now we see a mm. slimy creature Edward grab Catherine and rip her shirt off. It starts growing his demon hand and touching her boobs everywhere. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I thought this was interesting for a couple of reasons. One, it's clearly in the movie just to get Barbara Crampton naked. Yes. And two, instead of it having the actual actor touch her with his hands, they they use a prosthetic. So they have the the gimmick of like his hands turning into like his fingers getting longer. Yeah. So they can it's almost like they they did it on purpose. So that the actor wasn't wasn't touching Barbara Crampton with his hands. Yeah, I thought that was weird. But anyway, and then the creepy Doctor Edward says, "I would have enjoyed you in another life." Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, this is super. It's, it's, at this point, we're getting super creepy. Like, yeah. This dude's a super creep. Oh yeah. I mean, I have no problems with like the Bondy stuff. All that stuff's a okay with me. But like at this point, he's just becoming like a super creep. Oh yeah, a demon super creeper. So Crawford. Uh, and Crawford and a half na- I like my notes. Crawford and a, ha- a half naked Bubba go to the breaker room, and then we have this yeah, huge this is the- cr- creature that stops them. Yeah, this is the part where Bubba's running around in his underwear. Yeah, for like ten minutes. Yeah, exactly. So he's at the and then basically they're trying to unplug the the wire like the the wire cords from this breaker. But it's like water down there, and there's some sort of slimy creature stopping them the whole time. So they started for they, some reason. Yeah. So like, why is the generator in the electrical room in a room where water is? Well, you know, because they're like, pen- I guess it flooded, but they don't explain that because their pineal gland is stimulated. <laughs> they have stimulated water in this room with the okay. giant sperm All right, fish. Fine, fine, fine. So Bubba tries to go not grab a knife. Okay, tries to stab this motherfucker. Doesn't barely doesn't work basically. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then Crawford's about to get the generator, 
and then the the sperm fish head bites uh, Crawford down, and it's trying to swallow him whole. And while this is happening, the demon Ed slimy creature, after he's done uh, touching her breast, he says he's going to go in for a kiss, and he starts to suck her head down as well too at the same time. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. A lot of uh, lot, they're trying to basically trying to swallow them both whole. So then Bubba sees all this is happening and he's, he's, he's crawling through the water and he eventually cuts the power off. And then right when he does that, all the demons go away. Uh, we see Catherine. She is freaking out because she's almost had this demon swallow her whole. And we also see that uh, Crawford has now somehow lost all of his hair and he's bald <laughs> and he has radiation poison on, on him now. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not really sure how... He got that, and Catherine didn't. Maybe because he was in the but demon a lot longer. I'm not really sure. Maybe, I mean, or maybe, maybe yeah. because maybe because his gland has been stimulated more times than everybody else's gland. That's why he's turning into a different style creature. Yeah, I mean, I thought that it had just had to do with like. I don't know. I don't know why it affected him and not her. But yeah, I mean, that's what I thought was that he maybe he had. You know, he had been messing with the machine before the whole movie started, so maybe maybe that's why it happened yeah. to him and not her. Because he's been, it's kind of like radiation, where like if you're exposed to it a lot more, you'll get the effects yeah. a lot sooner. Right. So I thought this part was not supposed to be funny, but it was kind of funny. So they lay Crawford <laughs> in the S and M room. Like we can't yes. we can't pick any other room except for that one. We have to make sure it's that room, okay? <laughs> Yeah, we put him in the S and M room. There, so. This is a huge mansion. It has uh, probably like five or six rooms. There's, we know there's bedrooms. Oh, yeah. Okay, Edward had his own yeah. bedroom. Crawford had his own bedroom. No, we got to put him in the fucking torture S and M room. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> so they look at Crawford. And she basically, Catherine is saying she's sorry. All right, because you yeah. know it was her that turned on the machine and was so controlled by it. And uh, and he said, like, basically, Bubba's like, yeah, this thing is changing us. It's not all for the better. All right. And then and then basically, you know, Catherine still wants to go back to the machine and study it. And Bubba's like, no, yeah. I've seen this shit before. I've been a cop for a long time. What you are yeah. acting right now is a junkie. All right. right. And then she still thinks she can do the experiment. He's all like, listen, what you're going to do is I want need you to put some clothes on. I'm going to get this guy in advance so we can bring him to the hospital and you can explain to them all what was going on over here. Okay? Yeah. Because I don't want to be part of this shit. All right? Right. So this is uh, this is the scene where she is, is she, where she's wearing like the bondage outfit. Well, we're getting there. Hold on. Oh, we're getting there. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So Bubba leaves to the van. And this next scene was put in the movie so we can have yes. the demographic from 18 to 34. This is their scene. Yeah. Male. This is the male demographic 18 to 34 scene that we had a slap in this movie, okay, for uh, for a lot of purposes, okay? So we have Catherine. She's, like, looking around all these bondage gears and stuff. She's checking out the rope. She, like, knocks herself oh so slowly into the, uh, mm-hmm. to, to the little cabinet where we have all this bondage leather in it. And then yeah. she's like, well, fuck, I'm just going to put this shit on. I'm just okay. going to put it on. So Bubba's getting the van ready, and then we see Catherine lace up her little boots, her little shoes, let's yeah. say. She's in her exposed 
leather bondage gear so we could see her ass. All right. Yeah. Yeah. My notes were like my 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 yes the thong. My notes were writing eighteen to thirty four. Nice. All right. Yeah. My uh, at this at this point my my pineal gland is stimulated. <laughs> exactly. I think they were trying to <laughs> yes from the eighteen to thirty four red blood. So so this is like Jim Ross's favorite scene in the movie. Okay. Yeah. So uh, she's going over to Crawford right, and she's like. He's just there, like, fucking, this guy looks like he went through, like, radiation poison. All right? He doesn't give him a fuck right now. What's going on? So, they, he, she, like, lifts down the, the, the blanket he's on. Looks at mm. all his radiation marks. And he starts going for a dick. All right? Yeah. And she touches it. And then she licks her hand. I was like, mm. oh, well, here we go. Then she starts to get onto here him and go. ride him and stuff. And then Bubba walks in. He's like, what the hell are you doing? I told you to get dressed. <laughs> all right? And she's like... I did get dressed. He's like, I oh, you want to go to the station like that? She's all like, you know, she's like, and then she starts to like, come on to him a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. She's like, you know, like, I, I, lo- I love the, you know, I love this room and I love what's going on over here. All right. And then she starts coming on to like Bubba and everything. And Bubba's like, you don't want to do this. He's like, you couldn't handle this. All right, and then she's about to like wants to like make out with him and stuff, and then he pulls her and he looks at her in the mirror. He's like, "Looking, is this what you want to be? Is this who you are?" All right, look at yourself. And then she's all like, "What the hell was going?" Like she doesn't. She's like wakes up a little bit. She's like, "I don't know what I was doing. I'm not sure what what I'm doing," because you know since her gland has been so stimulated now, she has to have some sort of like S and M sex. Right. Got all that. Gotcha. Yeah, that all makes perfect sense to me. Yes. So, so you know, Bubba basically gets her to stop a little bit from here. All right. And this is when, um, this is when the, the, somehow the power turns itself back on. All right. So the machine turns back on and Crawford wakes up. He's like, listen. Do you guys hear that? And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? All right. He's like, the machine, the resonator, it got turned on from beyond. Oh, okay. Ooh. And then we're still like, they're like, fuck. So, but you know, Crawford could barely move. Catherine's on her S&M gear. She's all doesn't know what the hell's going on with her. So Bubba's like, okay, let me go try to stop it. So he goes up to the machine and they all follow him too. So they all follow him up there to the machine. And I shit you not. Everybody, right when, and I got to ask you about this, Allison, right when Catherine and Crawford go into the machine room, the laboratory, they get attacked by member berries. Uh, Basically, yes. Because they look like little berries (laughs) that were attacking them. And they look, they're like that purplish orange berries. Yeah. So I was either thinking about Mary Bear member berries from South Park, or mm-hmm. I was thinking about wasn't there like a cereal that had those little purple berries in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, but yeah, that's what I was thinking too. They look like the cereal. Yeah. But it's like what a weird design for these things that are attacking them. Yeah, they're like attacking them, and so like so Bubba is getting an axe, all right, and he's kind of break the machine with the axe, but it's not working. So the axe gets thrown around. Now he's using a flashlight. To kind of like get those member berries off of everybody. But then like he drops the flashlight. And then the flashlight shines on him. And then all the member berries attack him. 
And then while they attack him, they get off of uh, Crawford and Catherine, and they basically eat up his fucking body. So there goes Bubba out of here. And he looked like all fucked up. I was like, damn. Really good effects in this movie, by the way. Very good. Yeah, you can see where the money went. Yeah. As so, opposed to Reanimator. Yes. So they're all upset. Uh, Ed appears now. He's like a slimy demon at this point. And all he wants is a little kiss from uh, you-know-who, Catherine. Yeah. Of course. So then he gives this line, and he's about to go attack, and he's all like, humans are such easy prey. And he's like, and then Crawford's like, let her go. He's like, oh, I will. Uh-huh. It's like, I will. Uh, oh, I will. <laughs> My mind will go into her mind and she will experience the most sensual pleasure. And then Crawford's like, you never knew pleasure. You only knew pain. Like, oh, okay. And then, uh, okay. then he starts attacking his head and then uh they start like uh going out at each other like crawford and 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 the creature start going out at each other and then they start fighting each other and then what um what catherine does is she actually grabs like a fire extinguisher and she starts spraying the machine to break it to, to basically the, she eventually sprays the machine so much with the fire extinguisher that the machine cuts off and then during all this stuff the the demon Edward somehow morphed to have Crawford. He now has the the pineal gland coming out of his head and looks like a little small wiener. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, like where his head opens up and he has the, yes. yeah, the little tentacle thing come out. Yeah. So now he has that. And we got the machine down. And then the police show up. And then now this is when we have Catherine and we have Crawford. They are back in the hospital. This is when the doctor Blotch is like looking up his head and she can kind of see that the gland is coming in and out. So she doesn't know what the hell's going on. And this is when Catherine was telling the story to the, to the head police officer and the doctor Blotch about this wild story. Um, and they, they don't believe it. It's like, you're telling me this wild story, and I'm going to tell you, like, how it is. Like, your professional conduct, you you pretty much cost this man his his mind and his, probably his life for all the actions yeah. that you did. And then she's like, we got to go destroy that machine in here. And then this is basically when the cop is saying, like, listen, because I listened to you, I lost one of my best men, all right? And I put you in, in control, and this is what you did. I think you are the crazy one. Okay, so now I am putting your care in the care of Dr. Blanche, you know, now. So now we put mm-hmm. Catherine's hand, she is her hands, and, and fate is now in the, in the fate of Blanche. And so Blanche is basically saying, like, listen, you, you're becoming so crazy and so mad that we're actually going to be going to do shock therapy on you. All right? And one nurse is like, we don't do that anymore. It's like, no, we have to do it with her now. Okay? We have Just to. Do, we, we have, have to do it right with now. her. Yes. <laughs> All right? It's like, okay, fuck. She's like, for all this nonsense that they've been talking. So, while this is happening, Crawford, he gets up now. All right, he's trying, he leaves the room, and he looks like full, like he's transforming into basically how Edward was. He's like slowly transforming into that style of creature. You know, a creature that has never been formed before. It's like a brand new style creature. 
He tries to eat nothing. Uh, apparently, when he looks around, he is looking through his eyes. is all negative. All right. And so they're during this time, they're also preparing the shock Catherine during this time as well, too. And this is when we see um, the Dr. Blotch. She is going to Crawford. She doesn't see him in the laboratory anymore. So he goes to the pathological lab and she finds mm-hmm. Crawford eating brains. Yes. And she's all like, that's going to make you sick. He's like, oh, this tastes so great. (laughs) Make you sick. And then he's like looking and he realizes what he's doing. He's like, what's happening to me? And she's like, oh, I don't really know what's happening to you. So this is when she's about to take him back to his room. All right. And then his gland starts to get all active up. And since his gland's so active now, he eventually bites her eye. He's trying to, I thought he was trying to go for the brain, but he always tries to bite some eyes. I was about to say, yeah, he's trying to go. For, I think that's what we're supposed to be seeing. He's like, he's trying to let go for the brain, but it looks like he's biting her eye. Yeah. So they're about to shock Catherine with some shock therapy. And right before he's about to do it, that nurse, he gets called in because there's another incident happening of, of course, Dr. Blanche being attacked. So he's like, what about her? It's like, oh, just go lock her up somewhere. So before he tries to do that, she gets out and she escapes. This is when we see Crawford's outside. He actually sees Catherine in a van and she leaves. He's like, what the hell? <laughs> He's like, where are you going? And then uh, then, going? then we have this ambulance scene show, but the homeless guy who's hurting. Uh, this is when we see that um, it's like one paramedic calling out for this other para- 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 paramedic named Harley. Paramedics. All right. Yeah. Sees him. She finally finally finds him with his eye eaten out. Mm. And then the homeless guy saying, it's a snake. It's a snake that's doing it. It's like, there's the <laughs> snake. So Crawford tries to attack the other paramedic. She gets away and he gets into the ambulance and he leaves. And they all wind up back at the house. So we have Catherine. She's back at the house. She goes upstairs. She, she uh, turns on the machine. Oh, Basically, she, what she's doing is... She went to the machine, and I need you to explain to me this, Allison. So Catherine, she was at the hospital, right? And she was about to get shock treatment therapy. She escapes. Yeah. Okay. So she escapes from the hospital. She goes into a van, and she drives to the house. So Mm -hmm. in between that time, how did she come across dynamite? Can you explain that to me? So dynamite just happened to be in the van that she's driving to the house. Okay. She didn't stop they, they by her uh, local dynamite store? No, she did not stop by the dynamite store. It just happened to be there because they use it to, uh, I, don't, I don't know why. But it's it's just in the van because that's that's what you do. You just carry dynamite around in your van yes. in case you need to blow something up. So she has sticks of dynamite and she sets the timer for five minutes. Mm. Why couldn't it be one minute? Why couldn't it have been 30 minutes? I have no idea. It's for five minutes. It has to be five minutes. And and also the dynamite has time as a timer instead of like yeah. just being a fuse. But okay. So she leaves. I'm just sticking the dynamite on the re- re- resonator machine. She goes there. Crawford grabs her. She's like, she's like, I love you and stuff. All right. And she wants to leave. She's like, hey, we got to get out of here. I got to put a bomb on this fucking thing. He's like, no, no, we got to stay here because I love you now. Really? And you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. But basically, 
Crawford is his mind is his penal gland and everything is basically stimulated to hell. So he basically, yeah. you know, he's, he's he wants to stay there. He wants to get it more stimulated. Okay, more stimulated. He's overstimulated yes. at this point. So he's trying to do all this. She's trying to leave. All right, and <clears throat> she is basically, you know, saying like, we can't, we can't let this machine alive because if we le- if we let this machine go on the that creature ed is not only going to take over us he's also going to take over the entire mm-hmm. human race yes and then crawford tries to eat her eyes um trying to eat her eyes but then the machine turns on mm. yeah all right says uh help her so so the ed comes back all right he's been there so he basically turns on he's been saying i've been waiting for you to come back Talk about Catherine. He's saying he basically wants to morph his mind with her mind, so mm-hmm. it could be the biggest stimulant pleasure. Like that's basically how he can have like pleasure nowadays. If he if he mixes his mind with another person's mind, and that's basically sure. what he wants to do. So his sure, creature sure. he can't have sex anymore, but if he can absorb somebody, that is now his pleasure now, and that's why he nice. wants to do it. Mm. And then Crawford just starts making a bunch of jokes. He's all like, hey, you can't have sex with a woman no more. How about you come over here, you, 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 you imp? <laughs> like, it's like it's, it's, and then like, Ed Key can't stand that. He's like, oh, fuck you. So they start attacking each other. Okay, after he calls them out and said, oh, he called him a eunuch, my bad. He's like, get over here, you eunuch. All right? Yeah. He's like, you can't like, make love to her anymore. You can't make love to anybody. So he starts to edit and yeah. stuff, and started they start attacking each other like downstairs in the hallway. So and she's like, he's like, you know, I'm not running away this time. They're just, like fighting each other. So during all this stuff, Catherine, she's like tied up. All right, she got tied up in the uh, the S and M room. Okay, and mm-hmm. she sees the floating sperm. So she starts to move a little bit, and the floating sperm actually break her out of the change. And then she throws some matches over there, and then they go to the see the matches so she can escape to try to go. You know, get out of there before the whole fucking house blows up. So now water randomly appears. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, randomly. So water appears up the stairs and stuff. Um, Ed is a is a like attacking her. So basically, during the fight with Ed and Crawford, Ed actually absorbed and ate Crawford during their exchange. So now Edward has morphed himself with Crawford in there. And then right before um, uh, Catherine wants to leave, Ed attacks her. All right. And then right before he's about to try to like swallow her, um, Edward, Edward, before Edward is about to swallow her, okay, Crawford like breaks three out of Edward. Like he's like giving birth to him and shit like that. (laughs) That was a weird scene. Like when he was like coming out of there and everything, I was like, man, that's some slimy shit right there. Yeah. All right. And then they basically have like 22 seconds to go. Uh, Crawford's like ripping his way all outside of Edward. All right. From the inside. Uh, they have like literally like two seconds to go. The, the, the demon's trying to grab onto Catherine, but she's like, fuck this. I'm going to jump out the window. So she jumps out the window and the whole fucking laboratory explodes. She falls down. I think her legs all fucked up. Yeah, so oh, she God, can't yeah. move. It was like her old knees all blown out. Or it's whatever. all blown out and shit. Yeah. So like the fucking neighbors, all these neighbors come out and stare at her. 
right. They don't call like the ambulance or anything. Well, well they do say that yeah. they're so on they all, their way. First, they all like, stare at her. Stand there, stare at her. Yeah. They stare at her for like a good five minutes. It seems like they go up to her. An old lady does from the beginning of the movie. Said, yeah. "Hey, we called the fire department, but like, what happened up there?" <laughs> and she's all like, "It ate him," and then she starts like crazy screaming. Then we end the fucking movie. So, pretty wild stuff. Yep. From beyond, everybody. Continuing the Mad Scientist Month here on the Retro Blood. I would say this one was definitely a very, very fun movie. I uh, recommend anybody to check it. Yeah, I loved it too. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it had pretty much everything you would look for in an 80s movie. It pretty much had that, I would say. It Mm -hmm. had some slimy creatures. It had some... Scientist plot lines. It had some weird sexual yeah. tones to it. It had some great acting. It had some like yeah. slimy blowing up shit going on. It had everything. So this is a this is yeah. a fun one. Everybody had nudity, nudity, which you have to have in every eighties movie. Got to have an eighties movie, brother. So definitely a fun one from Beyond. Everybody, I super enjoyed this movie. Um, but yeah, uh, I hope everybody's uh, uh, pineal gland was stimulated. During this yeah, review, mine, mine, mine was for sure. Oh yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, everybody, we will be coming back next week here on the Retro Blood mm-hmm. to finish up our Matt Scientist Month here on the Retro Blood. And boy, we got a little yeah. special one for everybody because we are going yeah. all the way to New Zealand. New Zealand. All right, and we are talking first about New Zealand horror movie. Yes, first one we have done. And it's going to be a doozy, everybody, because we are talking about one of the most controversial films that not a lot of people might know about, but we'll educate you on it when we do it. And it's a movie called Death Warmed Up, brother. So That's going to be great. Yes. And uh, there's going to be a lot of good history behind this movie. And there's also going to be a fun history when it comes to the main actor who is on this movie, too, which we will talk about. So, everybody... Join us here next week for the Retro Blood as we finish up the Mad Scientist Month here with uh, with the death warmed up. And I hope you all enjoyed the review from Beyond. Uh, like I said, very fun one. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to see a couple more of the Stuart Gordon's movies. I always enjoyed his movies. Maybe yeah. we'll try to later on down the road do re, uh, some more of the reanimator ones, the sequels that he did. Um, we'll probably check, check out a couple of those. But everybody, Allison, do you have anything to take us out with? Um, you wanna you wanna play some striper on the way out? Let's do it, brother. Let's play let's some let's of the play, striper. Uh, yeah, let's play uh to hell with the devil. Huh? Ooh, to hell with the devil, brother, because you know our boy Crawford, he was definitely saying to hell with the devil. He was saying yeah. to hell with these uh sperm fish, uh mm. to hell with this uh pineal gland Catherine sex creature all right he was saying fuck i got swallowed up by this uh edward slimy demon and i got blown Mm. up so he's basically saying to hell with everything because he's basically gone so basically gone and we're almost basically gone and we're gone too brother we will see you here next week on the retro blood see you guys later see you guys